Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Kitchen Stadium, where tonight is a battle for the ages. It's a special Thanksgiving battle between two culinary heavyweights of Totsky Academy. In this corner, we have a transfer student whose cooking background seems to stem from working at his father's diner. Ugh. He's weird, but he's stronger than he looks. Please give a round of applause for Soma Yukihira. Oh yeah! Time to show people what the Yukihira diner's all about. And in the other corner, granddaughter of the Academy's chairman. Her tastes are very refined and specific, earning her the nicknames God Tongue and Head Bitch in Charge. Give it up for Totsuki's own Elena Nakari. <clears throat> Whatever. You know I'm going to win this competition. Wait, did you just call me a bitch? Now, before the battle begins, there are a few ground rules. First, this battle may contain a few ingredients of the participant's choice. Some savory and unsavory for the audience. Viewer discretion is advised. Second, while the food is fresh, there is always a possibility a broth or two may be spoiled if you're not careful. We had one competitor's lobster hot pot ruined by a few oysters. I remember him. The poor sap lost in an overwhelming victory to me, and he lost his club room as a result. Well, I won't go down that easy. Last but not least, the opinions expressed are that of the individual judges and do not reflect Kitchen Stadium as a whole. And with that, have a happy Thanksgiving for the Dub Talk Podcast, and let the battle begin! Welcome, prospective chefs, young and old, to Totski Academy, the most brutal and most prestigious cooking academy in the world. Chef Ramsay's Health Kitchen ain't got nothing on this place, and if you think you've got the skills to dice, saute, whip, reduce, extract, serve, and flambe your way to the top, then have we got a challenge for you. We are here to discuss one of the sagas of Totski Academy. That's right, we're going to discuss the legendary story that took place many moons ago, when the world was set ablaze by one story known only as Shokugeki no Soma, aka Food Wars. And to do this, I have assembled a fine selection of chefs who are going to give you the greatest dishes served up and basically prove that we are awesome at cooking. So, I am Chef Noah, head chef of this illustrious club, and my specialty is in stews and soups of various types. If you want chili, potato soup, clam chowder, I can whip it up for you and make the most delicious meal you have ever had. So, let me introduce the other chefs who have assembled together. Chefs, let's first introduce our head pastry chef, the one and only Lilac. Bonjour, comment ça va? Excellent. And uh, what, what dish have you served up for us as uh, the head pastry person today? Well, currently in front of me, I have a mocha chip muffin. I haven't touched it yet, and I'm getting very hungry just looking at it. By the way, welcome to Dub Talk, y'all! Oh yeah, this is supposed to be a podcast, isn't it? Because you didn't introduce it as Dub 
talk, Noah? Well, I kind of, like, assumed that the people can read the title at the top of the screen, and, like, this is, like, what, episode 622 we've done before? But <laughs> fair enough. But, but the intro, dude! The intro! The intro, fine. We fine. gotta introduce it as Dub Talk, motherfucker. We oh, have man. to do this whole thing again. Hit oh, the reset button. No, right, we're not doing this whole thing oven. again. Turn off the fire. Okay, no, no, let's not do that. Although, I did hear another. <laughs> it's burning. I heard another chef in the background there. I think, in addition to a cool pastry chef, we also have the world's finest sushi chef, who apparently knows how to make a really good yellowtail. Everyone, serve up your plates for Zenith Will Rule. Zen sushi ain't nothing to fuck with, just like the Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> Interesting comparison. Yeah, um, I, I think the both of you would actually be very raw. Ooh, Ooh. that's a compliment. Bad joke. And to and to round it off, a full course meal at Totsuki Academy's Dub Talk would not be complete without our premier Spanish chef. Ladies and gentlemen, fry up your peppers and turn your eyes over to Chef Jamal! Hola, mis amigos. I'm here every time Steph craves something chocolatey. El hueco está en tus pantalones. <sighs> Damn it, Jamal! <laughs> You're making me think wait, of the same Wait, wait, hold still, Steph. You got some custard on your face. God damn it, go away! <laughs> Get away from my station! You go back in that corner! Oh. This is my show! <laughs> My oh, pastry show! Lo siento, lo siento. Can, can we get some chipotle peppers on that dish? Jesus. You're gonna need some chipotle. First off, it's chipotle, mi amigo. And second of all, can we get this show rolling? Let's yes. go rolling. Alright, the oven is pretty good. Are you chefs ready to fry up a, a good show here tonight? Quick I question. Am. Quick question for the folks at home. What is this show about exactly? Are you asking me or are you asking the audience who can't answer back? I'm asking you, you dumb dumb. You're the host. I was about to get to that, but I wanted to hear like a resounding. Let's. Uh, well, first you have to shout out. Order up. Um, I I don't have my no. headband on. I'm not ready for that. <laughs> Interesting. No. You mentioned a headband because what we have here is we are going to be discussing the English dub of J.C. Staff's Food Wars. Yes, we did not put on the chef getup just for kicks and giggles. What Food Wars is about, in case you've not heard it before, you've probably at least seen a gif or two of this show. What it's about is sh young chef, and I mean high school age, Yukihiro Soma has just, from his dad's insistence, entered into the illustrious Totsuki Academy <coughs> to learn the ways of cooking. And I don't mean, like, just to actually learn how to cook, because he already knows how to do that pretty good. This is a place where people are actually eliminated from the school if they're not good enough, if they're not smart enough, or if they're not illustrious enough, or if they don't have the ingenuity to learn how to cook. Because in Totsuki, yeah, cooking is everything. Say, yeah, if the intro that Noah gave to the episode is any indication, this school is hard as fuck. <laughs> yep. Only like, a I, there's yeah. only a 10% graduation rate. Yeah. So you and and I believe there's like thousands of applicants, but it's only like the yeah. best of the best. They 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 basically describe this place as a pyramid. So you have to make sure you climb to the top. And so like out of every single class, it's rare for for a bunch of them to really get through. Um, except uh, for this year, where we actually do have a, a higher success rate. Because this crop of candidates is amazing. Yes, they are. 
And we'll talk about who the best of the best are, because, as we'll get to in this episode, Soma meets an entire crew of amazing chefs of his own age, all of them who seem to have their own unique cooking style or preferences, which is pretty typical for a shonen battle manga, which is what this originally was. So we're going to see not only some awesome fights, but we're also going to see some mouth-watering delicious meals, because in every episode, they show you an actual meal you can make up because and I got to give a shout out to her the the manga was written with the help of Morisaki Yuki who is a professional dietitian who actually made sure that all the meals in the show are stuff that you can actually cook I'm just getting okay, then. and while they go through it quickly they do go through the recipes and they have recipes online that you can find for every single dish that they make here yeah I think if oh, I remember right in the manga like some of the chapters, they actually have panels with like an actual like small little quick recipe for those things, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it makes it different from uh, manga like uh, Toriko, where um, it's imaginary food. Like, no, no, this is stuff that you can actually go in your grocery store, buy the stuff for, and put together yourself. But can we graduate? That is what I we're going. I sure as hell hope so. Well, let's yeah. find out. I mean, we're only, we may only be covering 14 episodes, but I sure as hell hope we can graduate today. Thank you for bringing that up. Yes, so this series was picked up by Sentai Filmworks, and they are releasing the show on their streaming service, High Dive. At this point in recording, we have watched, at least me, Lilac, and Jamal have watched up to 14 episodes of the first season, so that's what we'll yeah. be covering. Um, Zenith has actually seen the whole show because she bought the uh, home video release of it. She's a crazy bastard and bought the premium set. (laughs) Yes, I went out and bought the premium box set, which comes with a whole bunch of stuff, uh, mostly because I am prepping uh, a a review of it. It's just been cooking in the oven for uh, a while, and I'm still waiting for... uh, for (laughs) Yeah, I know. Shit, son. The, the pun was bad, but... Um, That's I, a bad I, pun. <laughs> it, it sounds tasty already. Just, just make sure and, you like, uh, glaze that with uh, like some nice criticism. Oh I, my I, god, let's I'm gonna, go. I'm going to demi-glaze it, but uh, yeah, like, <laughs> I, I, I've, I, I've been waiting for a little bit of help since uh, I've been trying to... Uh, essentially, I've been trying to get out a bunch more anime reviews um, planned, and they're going to come out. I just want to make sure they're, uh, they're properly seasoned. And that they're... they're <laughs> this whole episode, oh my goodness. <laughs> cooking puns the food, nonstop. The, uh, the yep. cooking and food puns, they will be very strong in this episode, ladies and gentlemen. Be, yes. pre- oh, be prepared yes. to facepalm on countless occasions. All right. I, 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 I just... I, I just want to make sure that they're they're good before I put them out. So uh, I've been running them by a bunch of people. So yeah. All right. So let's um let's start with the the head chef of this dub that Sensei Woo. put out, and that is the ADR director and the script writers. And that is um and as a preface to uh, all of our regular listeners, um some of us had predictions for this show, but because there's a large cast of characters and we want to keep this in an enjoyably. Sh- you know, timed podcast. We're just going to be sticking to the actual cast members and won't be going over the predictions that we had. So, there you go. So, director for the show. This dub was directed... Let's see, it's a Sentai Filmworks dub, and it's mostly a comedy, so who do you people think could direct this? Gee, I mean, the two big directors at Sentai are Chris Ayers and Kyle Kobe Jones. Gee, I wonder who's directing Food Wars, guys. Yeah, how about the big cheese himself? Mm. Let me flip a coin here. It's going to be one of those two, and it's Kyle Colby Jones! Woohoo! 
Yes, Kyle Colby Jones is directing this series, and Kyle has done a lot of directing for Sentai shows. If you've seen any show made by Sentai in the past couple million years, he's probably directed one of them. Uh, one of his, some of his better shows are he directed uh, Umaru-chan, he directed Kino's Journey, he directed Nozaki-kun, and he directed When Supernatural Battles Become Commonplace, just to name a few. And that should and, ju and just as a side note, when Noah says Kino's Journey, he means the original ADV release of Kino's Journey, not the new one that's currently airing. And yes, thank you. Because ADV did not get the new one because they don't exist anymore. Because now we apparently have two different dubs for like every series coming out. Like it's, no, it's weird. Not we every series. Really? Stop it. Just well, about. Alright, the point oh, is old okay, ones. the point no. my point was is that I listed four uh, shows, just four of the many shows he's directed. All of those are different genres and styles to give you an idea that he's directed every kind of anime out there. Yeah. But yeah. He, can't he can't direct it without good writers. So we have three writers listed as the script writers for this show. And I do not know exactly which episodes they all directed because in the credits for every episode, all three of them are listed. So uh, we don't have a breakdown by episode. But those three it's, people... It's a team effort then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and those three people are George Manley, Marta Bechtel, and um, some guy named Kyle Colby Jones. I, I don't know. <laughs> like, who is that? Like, like the odds are, the odds are that if Kyle Colby Jones is directing a show, there's a high chance he's also writing it. Yeah, that's yep. true. That's how Sentai works, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, Kyle's all. He's written for. Let's see. He wrote for Umaro Chan, which he also directed. He also wrote for. Amnesia, he wrote for Sunday <gasps> Oh God, he wrote for Akame Ga Kill. Like, yeah, he's writing all over the board. Why did you bring up Amnesia, that piece of trash? I'm trying to be diverse here. I'm, you know, I, hey, I, hey. I know you are, but it's a piece of trash. It's called a sampler platter. Sometimes Lama. trash can be good. I mean, there are no. anime coming, coming no. forth later. Amnesia Ooh. is not good. Z Zenith, no. I, no, no. Gigi will also agree with you. <laughs> And she's the shoujo trash queen, damn it! Okay, well, oh, Gigi, down in the comments there, type, Yay, thank you for mentioning amnesia! And no, they'll don't make do us, it. They'll make me justified. But don't more importantly, it. our other two writers here, George uh, has written for uh, quite a few uh, series as well. Um, he's okay. been in the game for quite a while. To give you an idea of how long he's been around, um, one of the earlier credits I found for writing for him was he wrote for Full Metal Panic the Second Raid. More okay. recently, he's written for uh, When Supernatural Battles Become Commonplace. He's written for Log Horizon. He's written for Gate. And one of Lilac's favorite series, he helped write for Dramatical Murder. You mean your favorite series, Noah? You took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> Thank you, Jamal. Everyone loves I was like, you mean your favorite show there, Noah? I, I thought it was Diabolic Lovers was his favorite. Oh, I haven't seen Diabolic Lovers. Noah hasn't seen Diabolic Lovers. Uh, he's a, he's okay. escaped that. Dr Dramatical Murder was a, it's an interesting uh, beast altogether. Okay, because I was but, about to say I haven't heard of any of I haven't seen any of the shows you just listed except for Dramatical Murder, so that explains a bit. <laughs> you haven't seen Full Metal Panic? No, actually, I have not. I own it too, which is the sad uh, part. Have like like seventy-five to eighty percent of the stuff I own, I haven't watched, and it's very, very depressing. All right, uh, we we need to have an intervention, Lilac. <laughs> no, You're we don't. You're not allowed to buy this any is... more anime until you finish no, all of them. That's no, we don't. That no, we don't. That no, we don't. Up. She's gonna buy everything and never watch it. Uh, and probably. so will you, you listeners <laughs> out there who do the same thing. I know. Anywho. I do it too. 
Anyway. See, I've made a pact that until I reviewed all this anime, I can't buy any more. Well, too bad. Oh, Secret God. Santa's a thing that exists. On you're gonna, ha yeah, you're gonna have to buy some stuff anyway. Anyway, who? What about this third writer of ours, there, Noah? Th now, this is very interesting because uh, Marta is mostly known as a production assistant. Most of her credits listed is that hmm. she's only written for a couple of um, uh, things recently for Sentai. Um, mostly it seems movies, actually, because she helped write the script for the Beyond the Boundary movie, and she helped write the Tomiko Love Story uh, film script as well. Um, she also okay. has writing credits on a couple series like Gate. So um, she's not new to the scene, but she's a little new to the script writing scene. Okay, never a bad thing. Yes. So this is a series that is, on the surface, very goofy, but also has some dramatical instances in it when it comes to the seriousness of people taking their cooking so um jamal what do you think of the directing and the writing of the episodes you've seen so far i think for the most part it, it's pretty good i mean kyle kobe cheese i mean kyle kobe jones <laughs> nice good job <laughs> I'm sure kyle kobe that one before. dude he <laughs> follows us on twitter now behave please <laughs> yeah so it's 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 yeah. Uh, his director is pretty solid, his script writer is pretty good. I do have kind of an issue with maybe a couple of the characters, but we'll get to that when we get to that. Otherwise, on the script writing again, I did notice there were some shortcomings, but I don't know, I don't, I don't want to like blame it on any one of the script writers, because I mean, we don't know who wrote what episode, I mean, they all wrote every episode, so. As far as we know, yeah. Yeah. So, so, any shortcomings they may have had is probably the translation issue, or, you know, they just didn't know how to localize it properly. Did you have, like, a particular line that you can point to and say that this could have been translated better? Uh, let's see. Oh, when they, when they, uh, when the two meatheads uh, greet Soma in the hotel room after he won this well, he lost his battle with the with the French chef. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I, yeah, I heard one. I could I could just want to heard one of them call him a dogs or something like, yo dog, what up or something like that. <laughs> dog or bro, that was oh, bro. commonly used with, but really just with those characters specifically. Yeah, but there was also a couple places where it was used a little out of context, but yeah, for the most true. part, it's pretty good. So. That's fair enough. But it, like, would you say that it accurately captures the high school feel of the characters? That depends on uh, which of us went to high school, because that's not what I would think of when I think of high school. <laughs> I mean, culinary, yeah. culinary high school is a, is exactly like that in the real world, ladies and gentlemen. It's exactly it, like that. Well, Shonen. it's different compared to a culinary college, because I've went to one. and It's exactly I, like I, that, right? I'm sure it is. No, I wish we partied harder like that. We get worn out, but we do get worn out doing events, so. though. Right, Jamal, I promise, next time all of us get together at a con, we will stay up all night having cooking battles and playing card games. That'll be very difficult in a hotel, but moving on. You would lose at a cooking duel and at blackjack. I'm going to tell you that right now. Oh, we'll, no. We'll take over the kitchen. We won't do it in our hotel room. We'll just take over the staff kitchen. God, they will not let us. Anyway, moving Lilac, on. Lilac, Lilac, you uh, you seem to have some strong opinions about the writing and the directing. <laughs> so what, what did you think? <laughs> Writing-wise, because I've stated this numerous times before, one of my pet peeves really is modern terminology or slang that could potentially date the material. And that's always been one of my biggest complaints when it comes to writing. While there was some of that here, 
Because, yes, the whole dog bro thing happened. And I think early on, too, someone called uh, Soma a plebeian. Or plebe. Yeah. Or something early on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Even though there were small instances of that, they were very rare. And I actually was not bothered by it. Which is very awesome to me. Because... Um, to kind of summarize this show, Food Wars is essentially a food shonen series. That's the best way to describe it. And I think the writing and direction, writing and directing went in that direction with it, and they had a lot of fun with it, and you can tell that they had fun with it. Uh, like Jamal, I do have really just some issues with casting choices, but we'll get to that later on. That's really the only drawback I had that was really major was just just one really one casting choice in particular I had I think I know where you're going with that too probably but we'll get to that later on yeah anyone who's seen the show is probably thinking the same thing but I I hope we're all thinking the same thing but overall I'd say the directing and the writing is rather solid for this show um I I put quite a bit of faith in this because I knew this was going to be one of Sentai's larger properties that was coming out this year Mm -hmm. um and uh, it is pretty much panned out, I would say. It's very good, and I enjoyed it, and I'm happy I've gotten to rewatch it again so far. Nice. Now, now if only we could verify that season three is going to be picked up by Sentai Filmworks, because that's still up in the air. That's right now. weird that they haven't verified that yet. But yeah. I wouldn't. I would not. I would imagine that they would eventually. Yeah, it's only time will tell. Yeah, yeah. for the viewers. I really there. hope so, because season three is like the best season so far. So. Well, they're all. Best I imagine it's really just something on maybe like Japan's end that's holding them up, because Sentai would have jumped on that right away. Yeah. Otherwise, it, it, well, it's a it has weird. to be something on the other end. With with the Crunchyroll Funimation deal right now, we know it, it's airing. The third season's airing on Crunchyroll, which means that a lot of their shows will go automatically to Funimation. But this is an instance no. where the first two seasons went to Sentai, so we would hope that it would stick with the same company. We also got to remember, though, that just because it's on Crunchyroll, it's not going to automatically go to Sentai. I'm not, excuse me, automatically go to Funimation. Right. Yeah. Because there are a few shows this season, too. Like, Blend S is an Aniplex title. And it's on Crunchyroll. So just because it's on Crunchyroll, it doesn't guarantee it's going to Funimation. It's just if, I guess, that partnership came through... Hopefully then it would go to Funimation, but I don't think that would happen in Food Wars' case. I think it's something on Japan's end that's holding it up. That's Hopefully my yeah, time cause... this episode comes up, we'll have an answer. Hopefully. Yeah, I mean, it's a super popular anime and manga. Like, a lot of right. people are, are are on it, so it, it's probably Japan. So, uh, probably. about Zenith, what did you uh, take away from the directing and writing on this? Um, well, actually, the whole first season, because you got through the whole thing. Yes. Um, honestly... Uh, I was initially a bit disappointed because the first three episodes are a little bit rough uh, for one particular character. Um, but aside like the, aside from two characters throughout the entire show, I think this is a very, very well-made production. Um, there are obviously problems, and we'll get to them, but I think um, a lot of the casting choices are unorthodox. And while at first I'm like, not who I would cast, but as I went through the show, I'm like, they did a very different and very good performance, and I think a lot of it is to do with the scripting, and I think a lot of it is to do with the directing. Not people who I would normally see in these roles, but as I was going by, I'm like, yeah, yeah, this really works. And I think it has to show that um, it, it wanted to separate itself from the uh, from the Japanese. You know, it, there's a yeah. very distinct... 
uh, feel for the show in the Japanese sub, and a lot of people, you know, for something like this, you have to stand out, especially because on its own, it's a show that has um, a lot going for it as it is. It has a very distinct flair, and so they went a very different direction, and I think it paid off in the end. Is it perfect? No, and we'll talk about, like, the two characters who I absolutely hate. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think for the most part it pans out, and, uh, yeah, it, we'll, we'll get to that in a bit. Thank, thank you, because, yeah, we'll save the, the more in-depth discussion for when we get to the particular characters. I, I had a similar problem, too, I think, to you, in that the first couple episodes weren't so endearing to me, because we have the main character at the beginning, who is kind of hit or miss in the acting department just because it depends on if you like uh, Soma himself or not. Um, some people don't. Some people are just okay with him. And I was just in the, eh, he's okay camp. And in the first few episodes, we don't have any other named characters except for one, which we'll get to. And the rest are background characters or one-shot characters. And this show has a tendency to have their one-shot characters, it seem, sound kind of goofy or like not all that serious sounding. And that took away from like, what's the main cast going to be like? But once we got to episode four and the main cast of the Polar Star Cafe is introduced and we get more of the chefs that are going to be continuing the show introduced, I had no problem with them. I was like, okay, this is turning out better. I think this is going to hold its weight against the Japanese. I, I think the best way, and I've, I described this a little bit in my, uh, in my script for the show, is that um, you can skip episodes one and two without really missing much. They're pretty much just setting up the world, and I think where the dub and the show really finds its footing is episode three, when they introduce Tadakora Megumi, and they actually yes. get into the school, and um, you know, they, there's they, that's when things really pick up, and actually when the background characters stop, well, not for the background characters still are an issue, but they aren't there for the, the majority of the sh the episodes after that, so mm -hmm. for the most part, you can ignore them. Um, yeah, like, it's just, you really can get a feel for, um, the world and the episodes starting from episode three. So if you're having problems, and I did too, just, you know, wait until episode three or skip episodes one and two, um, because all the stuff that's introduced or shown in episodes one and two are, uh, flashed back to or alluded to, um, after episode three. That is The true. other thing to kind of note is... The first two episodes of the show are kind of similar to you, because oddly enough, the first time I watched this was because I made a deal with you, Zenith. Um, gonna bring up Arslan for a second. Oh, you yes, Arslan. <laughs> the Th first... That was way back when. I know, but here's the thing. Similar to the first episode of Arslan, because you hated the first episode of Arslan, I think the first two episodes of Food Wars are essentially like that episode are a necessary evil. You kind of need that to set up the world and get this whole thing done but in food wars case the big thing with that is a lot of the whole sexualization of these yeah. food reactions are very much overdone and now overplayed in those first couple of episodes and then is toned down a bit because the mangaka just just to kind of get this to go through did that on purpose and then kind of toned it down once it kind of became more popular and as the series goes on you see less and less of those moments so, the first two episodes, I think, are a necessary evil, if anything. Yeah, and, and speaking on those uh, those sexualizations, I think the clever thing was, um, after, like, around episode four or five, 
they started turning these uh, foodgasms, as they call it, into more like transformation phases or like silly little gags where uh, yeah. like, you see magical cabbage girls and stuff like that, where <laughs> it, it, it's Jamal, more about the Jamal, fun. Jamal died on the inside probably when he saw that, but I just <laughs> laughed my ass off. Cause it was I thought really it was... Cool. I could guess what show that ripped off. Gee! <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't say rip-off, I would say homage. Parody. Because, well, let's go parody. nice and call it an homage. Let's call it a parody. Now, to, um, to, to give context, though, on that aspect, um, I don't think it was just... Uh, they didn't put those food gasm elements in there just to push the book when it was first publishing, because there's a bit of a background information. The artist for the original manga, uh, his name is Seki Shun, he also goes by the nickname Tosh, and he was known before this predominantly as a hentai doujin mangaka so it's not that like makes so much sense house. yeah it, this is like an Azamanga Dayo situation okay. where the the doujin artist became a legitimate legitimate credible artist okay. what yeah that makes Mon- a lot of sense now artist yep and you Jeez. too you hentai deviant art artists out there too you can be a real artist one day too all right we've been at this for half an hour already and there's too many characters to go on Let, let's just keep going too many cooks too many cooks. Yes, yes, too many cooks. <laughs> we will, they we will spoil get, the brew. We will get through this, so we thank will you manage. guys. Now, to um, to break this down for all you fine player, you chefs at home, we're going to start with the adult chefs, or at least the ones that are most prominent in the first 14 episodes, and then we're going to work our way up the student ranks here. So let's start first with three characters that we meet during the training arc of this whole thing. First one we're going to talk about is Jin Dojima who is the head of the training camp. He's like the uh, clean-shaven, almost bald guy who we see uh, bathing in the bathtub in uh, episode 11. <laughs> He's uh, flexing those muscles for the female viewers out there. Great. Also known as and the most you... moe man alive. Yes. And then you see the name tag come up with his, with his, uh, un... what his sausage should be. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Cabbage pink. <laughs> oh, God. In addition, anyway. speaking of pink, in addition to Jim, we're also going to talk about Kojiro Shinamaya. Who ah, is, perfect segue. Who is the pink-haired, glasses-wearing... Okay, he's not French. He is not French, he is Japanese, but he's renowned because after school, he moved to France, opened his own restaurant, and got the top prize there. And he is also a bitch and a half. So He's, he's also asshole. the uh, magician of legumes or vegetables. Yes. And uh, so he's the vegetable chef. Yes, yes he is. But That's he, need, he yeah. needs someone to balance him out. And so to balance him out, for our third person to discuss, we're going, <laughs> to, t- we're going to talk about his, I'm going to put in quotation marks, best friend, Hinaka Inayu, who is known as the Mist Empress. Um, she's basically the kind-hearted uh, balancing agent who is in charge of one of the lessons during the training arc and becomes instrumental in one particular food war, but we won't spoil that for all you folks out there who want to see it yourself. But she is a precious cinnamon roll who is just adorable. So, I'm just and saying, she we, loves I'm, Megumi with all her heart. I love yes. her. Yeah. Oh, I'm just well, saying, we ha- we, we, I'm just saying, no, we have spoiler reasons for a reason, so we I, can talk about shit. I don't want to spoil the dish. I, I want to present it perfectly cooked to our participants. Well, yeah, we'll probably I th- I spoil certain, it later, but... I, I think yeah. certain portions of this should not be spoiled because... I mean, it's it's not like the it's not a case in which uh, it will really affect your enjoyment, but 
I do think that certain parts of Food Wars are best experienced because of how over the top they are and the feeling you get when you watch the episodes. Well, I mean, yeah, I we'll, could we'll just do... I could just say a simple spoiler and it it still wouldn't be enough to tell to tell you what the story is. You do have to experience it. So yeah. I can still spoil something, but like try to keep it's... it uh, yeah, try to keep it uh, within a description that's not going to spoil the viewing experience. Yes. No, like I'm just saying, like even if I spoiled something, it's not gonna, not gonna butcher the experience because oh boy, is food we food war something you gotta experience in and of itself. Good lord. Yes, so anyway, it is an experience. Of which, these, anyway, uh, the voice actors. You probably want to know which chefs voice these characters. Please so, and thank you. All right. So, um, for Jin, we have um, and ladies, keep your pants on. Ty Mahoney is Oop, too late. Probably better known to all you ladies out there as Nozaki and Nozaki-kun. He's also Shu in Diabolic Lovers. <laughs> Stop laughing. Sorry. He, he's Joe in Crowds for, like, the manly characters out there. He's Akira in Gay. He, he's, uh, he's, like, the manliest Moe character of Sentai's entire acting pool right now. Let's I don't see. know about that. <laughs> On top, okay, for Kojiro... We have um, a less seasoned individual. We have Benjamin McLaughlin, I believe. I'm not sure if I'm... McLaughlin. McLaughlin. Oh, it's, oh, so it's like Sarah McLaughlin. Okay, yeah. thank you. Benjamin McLaughlin, who has done a handful of shows, but is probably best known as um, uh, Hajime Kurio in... Uh, how do you pronounce the whole thing? It's When Supernatural Battles Become Commonplace. And he's also Leonardo in Log Horizon, which is you know, a show a lot of people have seen, so I'm going to assume that that's where you may have heard him most often. No. No? Okay, well, I've now you've heard him. I've never seen Log Horizon. Well, now you've heard him in this show. Yeah. And he's also in another show that we're probably going to talk about later, so I won't spoil that one. But yeah. my favorite of this trio is actually the voice of Hinako. Yes who is Allison Sumrall, and if that name doesn't sound familiar, she has actually been around the Sentai ADV pool for quite a while. She was Kagura in Azamanga Dayo. She's also Mari in Gate. She's Mila in uh, Monster Musume. And um, way, way back in the past there, she was Rina in Digikarat. So she... First of all, you spoiled Monster Musume because that episode hasn't been recorded yet. We can take that part out, I'm sorry, if we First need to. First of all. Second of all, I think maybe the last time at least I remember talking about Allison Summerall might have been Parasite, actually. She That's... played, um, uh, the mother. She played the mom, I think. Can't remember. It's been a uh, while. I'm never watching that show, so I'm gonna assume you're not making that up. I'm not making it up. But, okay. Um, Anyway. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so those are our three characters that uh, get most prominence in the uh, training, uh, in the, um, food camp arc that pops up. Um, Lilac, did you uh, have any uh, particular thoughts on any of these three actors, aside from crushing on Ty? I don't have a crush on Ty, first of all. You don't have to hide it, Lilac. It's okay to let your feelings show. No, legit, I don't, actually. Okay. <laughs> I think it might be either Gigi or Megan, but I legit don't. Um, let's see. I'm going to keep this short and sweet because they were only in there maybe for a few episodes. Mm -hmm. Um, Ty is great as the manly, manly, <laughs> manly <laughs> graduate, um, aside from the director who we're going to talk about in a little bit. Uh, he, I think it was a fun performance. 
because um, for those who don't remember, I was not a fan of him as uh, Shu Sakimaki and Diabog Lovers, but I think he's phenomenal here. Um, Allison, I thought she was very spunky and very full of energy and rather comical. Uh, Benjamin, since I, this is the first time I've ever heard him in, a, in anything, it was kind of iffy, only because, like, in my, I can't, in my mind, when you have that character, a sleazeball, glasses-wearing character like that, just to kind of put a comparison out there, if it, let's say if it went to a Funimation dub. Oh, let me guess I, that. I, no, I'm not gonna say Tatum. Oh, really? I actually would, I actually would have pictured Eric Vale. I thought he was going to say Quist Wakeham. No, well, no, Eric Vale I mean, is he a too, so that... Eric Vale does sense. play sleazeball characters sometimes, and this would have been good here. Let's talk about Nishiki from Tokyo Ghoul, ladies and gentlemen. What's um, <laughs> Now you see where the comparison came from. But it's not what I thought of in my head, and it took a little bit to get used to. And by me, because he's still relatively new, and he's still pretty new fresh face, that I think between the three of them, I think he was the weakest performance, but... At the same time, I'm very interested to see how this performance will grow uh, throughout the show. Because on High Dive, again, they're, they're releasing the episodes week to week. And then I would not be surprised if they're currently working on dubbing the second season. Mm -hmm. So I'm very interested. There's potential there. And I'm very interested to see where he goes with the character and how he's going to make that grow. Uh, but all three of them are relatively good. Okay. Oh, okay, I'm glad. All right, uh, Jamal, uh, can we take the ball there and say, did you have any issues with any of the characters? Do you have a crush on Ty Mahani? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but Ty Mahami, uh, that's what I'm going to call because he had... <laughs> yes, because he, he was such hammy. a hammy. No, at the beginning when you introduced to him, he sounded kind of hammy, but like, like, like I said, he was having a lot of fun with that performance. Yes. Yeah. And the character was also having a lot of fun with his... Uh, other classmate Shinomiya to which I think Ben did a pretty good job to the point I wanted to punch Shin no yeah. actually I wanted to kick Shinomiya right in the teeth yeah. <laughs> he is an asshole and it's not like he's not familiar with uh, pissing off other chefs <laughs> yeah especially after what he did with the test and then with Megumi I'm like why the fuck would you sabotage a test on purpose? Yeah, that's uh. You do, you douchebag. Like the way it's set up, like he explains it as, oh, I did that because people who didn't rush to get the ingredients right away aren't cut out for the kitchen. But you got, they were getting seven different ingredients. There's a probably a guarantee that you're you can't grab all seven of them at once. You're gonna be late to get one of them. I'm sorry. The most bullshit part though is failing Megumi only because. She just altered the recipe just because she wanted to get the cauliflower in there. She wanted to preserve the coloring of it. Right. And yeah. the it's thing is, I can understand huh? both uh, both perspectives because I do um, like I do completely understand Megumi's amazing in this. But at the same time, like this is a chef that he's been failing for a while because uh, he he's he was uh, yeah. viewed as an outsider and he had to stick extremely close to his resets and he only chose people who would follow him no matter what and follow his orders yeah, yeah but there is a, there is a, there is a story that's going on there too that does not yeah. excuse students who are obviously not trying to sabotage your restaurant that, that yeah i'm with Jamal. yeah i mean it doesn't excuse what he does it's just no. you know I there's understand. a reason behind it there's a reason yeah. behind it anyway jamal but no jamal did you have yeah. any uh, comments on allison 
I also really like that the three because for as much spunk she has, she just she's totes adorbs, and I thought <laughs> this is the only time you're ever gonna hear me say that on a podcast audience. But yeah, she, she was adorable. Yeah, she was so cute, and I just wanted to see more. And I kind of felt bad every time she gets slapped upside the head by Shinomiya. <laughs> it's a comedic. Uh... Like grabs her head and lifts her off the ground. <laughs> okay. What is this grip? All right, we're like uh, two for four here for mostly positive comments. Zenith, are you gonna break up that that streak we got going on? Um, I loved all three of these guys. Uh, I agree that Shino Mio was a bit unorthodox casting uh, at first. Like when you first started talking, like this is a different choice. But I think I think as the episode and the are uh, the that part of the arc went on i'm like oh he really does a great job and they chose it for us but a particular reason i'm interested to see how he's going to present the more human aspects of the character um because they chose a much more human voice instead of making him um the japanese which was very much all right let's let's uh bring out that shitbag persona a saturday first. morning cartoon villain almost yeah, and I think I mean the the anime definitely did a in the Japanese they did a did grow with the character. Um, I'm wondering how this is gonna grow, but I think he did a fantastic job. I think Gin did an amazing job. I think he's a standout of <laughs> yeah. the three. Yeah. And he's uh, best boy, I'm sorry. In more ways than one. Um, and uh, yes, I also agree that um, I, I forget her name, but. Uh, the Japanese Mist Lady did a fantastic job as well because she's cute, and I loved her in both dubs. That's a good thank you. The uh, yeah, the, I'm glad you brought up the comparison about the Japanese for Benjamin because uh, the archetypes that they have in Japan don't always transfer over into English, so they they kind of had to change uh, Kojiro's uh, portrayal, or else they would make him like a <laughs> Megumi has failed the test all according to my plan. Sort of yeah, yeah. I think I think it needed to happen because um, this is a show that is is heavily Japanese influenced. But in order to bring it over here, you have to really make it accessible, and uh, they did it by changing a lot of the dub cast um, for better or for worse. But I think a lot of it is for the better. Yeah, it, yeah. I had no problems with these three characters either. Um, yeah. Uh, we could probably talk a little bit more later about the. This is a very Japanese show because honestly, I think that you could easily translate the the writing into almost any language because half the appeal of the show is going to be if you like cooking and like for someone like me who loves cooking, those first two episodes didn't bug me as much because you had two amazing dishes described to you to kind of hook you in, like tied you exactly. over until the main character showed up. All right, we have passed the first course, everyone. Give ourselves a round of applause. Woo! Only 20 more courses to go. Yeah, let's let's get this show on the road, guys. All right. So uh, now that we're all uh, we're fired up, let's move on to some manly characters. We get some manly characters. <laughs> like, yeah. just got manly characters. Oh, Ooh. God, Are we talking yeah. about All Might? Uh, no. Almost. No. Almost no. like All Might. It, yeah, he's it, not All Might. He's Almost Might. I mean, we could be talking about all for one, but mm, interesting you say that. Um, but we'll, um, it, it's an interesting uh, you say that. No, one I, for all. That's the name. One for all, not all for one. one no, for no, one. no. It's an, I'll explain the comparison later. But 
Uh, talking about manly characters in Food Wars, it's not just the cutesy uh, shonen-y uh, characters we've got. We've also got some butch manly characters, and those <laughs> yes. are Senzaiman Nakira. Nakiri, I'm sorry. I am terrible with pronunciations. I'll work on that tonight. But he is the, uh, uh, loses his shirt when he tastes something amazing, bearded grandfather, <laughs> head of Totsuki Academy. He oh. is like a living statue of manliness. I'm sorry, that whole... Also head of the I, food mafia. The food I, I, mafia. I, I'm sorry, I love that the whole disrobing thing whenever he tastes something delicious is the best thing ever. <laughs> yeah. It's also the funniest <laughs> shit. A little bit of man service for you. It's great. I, and we have no qualms. Like, all four of us, we have no qualms with that, right? No. No. I didn't hear it from Jamal, so... <laughs> kinda, just, Whoops! Either anyway. Way. Anyways, and um, in talking about manly father characters, we also have uh, Yukihira Soma's father, Jochiro, who is the uh, owner of the little diner that he and his son run together. Um, he shows up in episode one, and we don't see him return again until episode 15, but his role in sending his son to the school is very important, and he was basically the entire inspiration for Soma to become the chef he is. He, he was someone for Soma to aspire to become better than. Now, when you get the manliest of manly characters in a Sentai Filmworks tub, there's only a few that you can go to. Of course, Sen Zaimon has to be voiced by John Swayze, who is so manly that I don't even know if he requires an introduction. <laughs> oh boy. I, I will. To, to give you an idea, um, some of his manliest roles include, um, he is uh, Zoroku in House and Zoroku. He what? was Gasback in the Trigun movie, Badlands. Oh. He okay. Yeah, he was. He I, was I haven't that. seen the, the, I haven't seen the movie. Okay. I have. Uh, well, if you see the character design, you'll instantly think, oh, I can see John's voice coming out of that character. Now um, that you say it, I have seen the character design and it makes sense. He's also um, a, a character very similar to the one in Food Wars. He's also um, Goiza Baru, um, a.k.a. the dad in My Bride is a Mermaid. And probably his most iconic role as the manliest of the manly is Kumo Tetsu in The Boy and the Beast. But and, and you forget the comparison that I was trying to make a second ago with the All Might thing. He's in My Hero Academia. Yeah, he is. But is he uh, is he the Chris Sabat character? No. No, he is one for all. Yeah, he is the opposite. He He's is manly, the villain. The no, opposite. I'm just saying, like, because the whole All Might thing got brought up, and that's why I was making that comparison. But uh, carry on. That, that makes yeah. sense. Yes. So um, on top of that, we also have a character who you may not immediately pick as uh, manly, but well, he certainly pulls it off in this show. We have Jay Hickman playing the dad himself. We have. Um, this is a guy who's been around for quite a while, uh, since the ADV days. To give you some of his uh, more manly roles, he's played Muto in Princess Tutu. And I was <laughs> hoping you would say that! I was hoping you would! The manliest of the manly characters in that show. Because only real men watch Princess Tutu, everyone! Real men watch Princess Tutu. Keeping it alive. Buy our t-shirt. <laughs> Okay, some other uh, manly roles. Um, he's the fool in Kaleido Star. He's okay. crusty in Log Horizon. And uh, here's one that Lilac probably remembers. He's Shiro Maybe. in Parasite. I haven't finished Parasite! Oh, well, when you get to that role, now you know. Yeah, I'll, I'll know it when I All see right. it eventually. Okay. All right, so as far as <laughs> testosterone fuels manly uh, people in our cast go, Zenith, you want to tell us about what you think of these characters? 
I think they both did a great job. Um, Joichiro uh, was a little bit uh, of an unorthodox casting, I think, but it really worked. Um, but I think a lot of it is uh, it's better when you get to episode 15 and you actually get to you know sit with him and learn more about him. Mm-hmm. Um, in that first couple episodes, I think he does a good job, but I think it it's something that really grows later. Um, but I think Senzaimon is fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, like, again, a lot of this is unorthodox casting stuff that I wouldn't really see in the role, um, but it's they did it to make the show stand out, and I think it really works. Nice. So, yeah, so like kind of, uh, kind of uh, archetypal casting that just really works out, right? Yes. Nice. Uh, Jamal, did you have, uh, I know you particularly, you actually, um, you pleaded with me to include Senzaimon in this because of, uh, reasons. Do you want to explain that to everyone? Yeah, so pretty much as they said, uh, you could, like, the first two episodes were kind of world building and stuff, and then there's the third episode, but really what made, what made the difference between episodes two and three is Soma actually kind of got expelled from Arena. Who, after tasting her dish in the cooking competition, she just pretty much lied and said that it tasted like crap and just kicked her out of the school. And then, in a kind of a post credit scene, you see Senzaimon come out of the darkness, <laughs> just taste Soma's dish, and then sneakily behind her back, decides to invite Soma into the school proper. <laughs> Which, you know, he's allowed to because he owns the damn place. Exactly. Pretty much set, so, pretty much setting off a you, chain of events between Soma and Erina, and, and some, and a lot of the other characters. Whereas, if that didn't happen, we would not have a show at all, really. <laughs> We'd have a very different show if he never got in. Yeah. So since I'm on, I mean, like if he never got in, that would have been gamers. Oh uh, God. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm still bitter. I'm sorry. Yes. Yes. So, what did you think about John Swayze, though? Well, like y'all said, John Swaysley is manly man. He's pretty much the manly man of Sentai, if you think about it. Mm. He is so manly, he, he actually jumps between both uh, Dallas and Houston just to fill the manly quota between the two. Yeah. And, like, and uh, Joe Ichiro, it was kind of unorthodox to put Jay Hickman, because I, I was hoping it'd be David Wall, because it literally looked like a David Wall character to me. But, it's okay, David Wald is one of those chefs from the training camp, and it's glorious, by the way. Yes. He is. Let's just say... Ho- who also becomes a, a Sailor Moon rip-off character at one point. <laughs> no, yes, he was Tuxedo Mask. I was gonna yeah, say he's Hot Bird Sex, but thank you for that. <laughs> hot damn, pour some pancakes on those abs. Yes! Oh, yes. funny you mentioned that when we... I think when we get to the next set of characters. <laughs> but, mm, but yeah, Hold on to that syrup, uh, we're gonna need it. Well, it's something else, but yes. Yeah, so Jay Hickman did a pretty good job for what we've seen of the dad. You know, he's just, he's pretty much stoic and doing his own thing, but. And, Alright. Yeah. L- Lilac, as the uh, uh, robust connoisseur of manly characters, do you have any oh, problems? Because we seem to have nothing but praise. Give us some, like, criticism. Yeah, something to bash against. You're actually going to get it in a second. Um, But John Swayze first. I was... Th- that end credit scene in episode 3. Yeah. Where he tries Soma's dish. 
The second he laughed his ass off and disrobed, I was sold. <laughs> I'm like, this is perfect. John, John Swayze is generally amazing in everything he does. It's awesome. And the few times we, we got to see him, the director of the Academy, speak and do some fun stuff, it's very few and far between. However, I think John Swayze is amazing. I'm going to agree that Jay Hickman as uh, Soma's dad is definitely unorthodox casting. This is not what I would have imagined. And right now, it's not that memorable to me. Well, because he's not in the show that much, so... Well, even right. one episode There's, characters a... can leave an impression. It gets better That's later like, on. It, I know. it does. It's one of those I know. things where I know a lot of I know the show was... kind of grows. I know episode we'll wait about that bridge I... when we come to it. I know, I know episode 15... Um, we do get to see him come back again, uh, but that episode, at least when we're recording this, is unfortunately, won't come out until after this episode airs, because we're yeah, we're broke good. individuals who couldn't afford the box set yet. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, I, it's a mix of it. Not it's not that the character itself wasn't memorable, because of course he's a memorable character for certain reasons, um, but the performance as of right now, I don't think was that stand out to me. I want to see where it grows um, when episode 15 comes out and where it kind of just goes from there but it's not that memorable to me. Um, so I do like, <laughs> I flat out love John Swayze but Jay Hickman has it right now is not memorable. And that may have something to do with, it, on my own thoughts, just the first episode syndrome, where the first episode of any dub is always going to be shaky, regardless I, of how the problem the is. Are. The problem is we also have flashbacks after that. Still not memorable. I, I'm going to not entirely agree with you, because he has to fill a particular role. He has to be a, a supportive character who also kind of... Uh, treats his son like his best friend. And I buy but that when, part of the relationship. But you would think it'd be a nice impact, right? But it just to me, it's not a memorable performance right now. now did you expect it to be like a, a lower pitched voice or um, like more gruff exactly? I think that was probably my initial thought. And I do like where it was going, the direction it took with it. But compared to some of these other performances, that's the problem. That's the, where that's where the problem lies here. Some of these other performances can be <laughs> amazing and stand out. It's just right now, I just need a little bit more from All right. Jay Hickman. That's we'll, my problem. We'll tr we'll call Jay Hickman and we'll ask him to scoop up a little more for you in future. Episodes. I mean, obviously, it's too late since the entire I first think you on need home a video, second but... helping. Mm -hmm. You mean like a second plate? Can I get a second plate? Yeah, a second plate will help that out. <laughs> okay. Right, great. Hopefully. Well, let's move on to that second plate. So have we finished it, let's uh, scoot on to the third plate, actually, where we're going to get into what's known as the Polar Star Dormitory. And this is... Uh-oh, yay! Segway! I, I don't so even I'm, ex I'm Segway. excited. I'm excited I for these. I, I've always wanted a Segway, honestly. Like, I, I, I've lived too far away from work to use it, but, you know, just to have it. Long, just to long Segway. Hands. Oh, 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 you're right. I'm sorry. Uh, with a U-E, not a W-A-E. Thank you. So, in the Polar Star Dormitory, this is where uh, Yukihira Soma lives while he's at Totsuki Academy, and where uh, the main chunk of characters who are most important to the development of the series also live. Two of those characters we're going to talk about are... Satoshi Ishiki. <laughs> yes. You know who he is already, because, like I said, you've seen GIFs of this show. This is one of them. 
my quotation marks on this guy says, put some pants on. Yes, please. <laughs> the man... That's the best way to describe his character, really. He is he is so memorable in a bear apron that that is actually one of the items that they gave away with the limited edition box set. Yeah. And also with the loot crate from a while ago. Is that memorable? Um, but more importantly, he is the seventh of the Elite Ten at Toski Academy. So he's not just a goofy uh, eye candy for the girls. He is also a renowned chef on his own right. So he's the he naked is... chef. <laughs> well, you have to be entirely naked. But yeah, let, let, let's give him the almost naked chef title. But oh what, would an, what would a naked chef be like without a dorm mom? Um, we have Fumio Daimido, who is the uh, elderly woman who acts as the, the dorm mom of Polar Star Dormitory, because we need at least one adult supervising these crazy chefs in their downtime. And these two characters are voiced by... Satoshi is voiced by everyone's favorite of the BGs, Scott Gibbs. <laughs> L- little joke for the older audience there. And Fumio is voiced by Joanne Bonasso. Now, these two character, these two actors, Scott Gibbs has been around for quite a while, actually. Has got some pretty notable titles under his belt, including Sora in No Game No Life. He is Alex in Umaru-chan. He's David in Chayaki, the Coffin Princess, and he is Mikoto in Nozaki-kun. So good. Mikoshiba. Mikori. I'm getting the impression I need to watch Nozaki-kun at some point. Yeah. Yes! And on top of... Okay, now uh, switching things over to Joanne for a bit. Um, well, her roles are actually a little different. Um, she voices Susanna in Dog X Scissors, which is everyone's favorite show. She's I've never seen that me show. Neither. And you never should. And she Good. is a, she is the wand Magical Ruby in... I'm going to get this right. Fate Collide Linear Prisma Ilya... That Moe Fate series. That, yeah, that one that one magical girl. That one Moe Fate series. With the fate characters. And she's also Yuzuka in Nozaki-kun. So, again, a bit a bit of a mix of roles in there. So, um, Zenith, what do you think about uh, these two characters who um, are in the Polar Star Dormitory? Um, first of all, I want to say that Scott Gibbs... Uh, Scott Gibbs is perfect. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> He he embodies the role so well. I think from the moment I first uh, heard it, I was just like, okay, I'm sold by this performance. I think he did a great job. Um, I think Fumio is a little bit different. Um, I much prefer the Japanese to this. I don't think it's a bad performance, but I definitely think uh, a lot of it was kind of strained. I think they played up too much of the um, old woman uh, angle to the character. Um, I, I think it was a little bit more human in the Japanese, but I think they did a, you know, I, she's not in the show enough to really cause a problem. I think it was all right, but overall, Scott Gibbs is the clear standout of the two. Well, uh, well, I'm sure he stands out for more reasons than one. <laughs> Plus, his naked apron is the best. I, I love, I love it. I love. Ishiki is one of my favorite characters, and I think they did him justice with that. That would be a very difficult cosplay to pull off because I'd imagine con oh, rules would not let you go around butt naked. Nah, let's wear Bates bodysuit and an apron. A bodysuit would work out, but Lilac, I saw a woman going around at my first ASEN dressed in caution tape. And yeah, only you, you can pull tape. it off. 
I've but seen it's not butt naked though. I've seen people cosplay as nudist beach characters. Um, but it's wearing, not wearing... bare ass naked though. There's a, a difference between the characters of nudist beach and someone like wrapping themselves up like a mummy in caution tape with just bare ass and a goddamn apron on. <laughs> There's a saying, difference, guys. Well, Lilac, do you have a problem with Scott Gibbs' performance? Is that I do not. I do not have an issue. Legitimately, I do not have an issue. Because my thing is with Scott Gibbs, I prefer him more in comedies. Dramas can be iffy, depending on what you're looking at. Comedies, he's phenomenal in comedies, and I love him here as Ishki. Ishki has always been one of my favorite characters of the series. And I think Scott Gibbs is phenomenal. Um... It's actually kind of funny, like, there were moments where, moments in the show where I could kind of hear twinges of, like, maybe a vocal register similar to Eric Bale's, actually, which is kind of amusing. That is. Um, yeah, it's an interesting comparison. It was, like, a couple little moments, and I'm like, that sounds like it could be Eric Bale for, like, a split second there. But, um... Well, I find it yeah. interesting you say that because I heard the voice, and I heard another Funimation voice actor too, but it wasn't Eric Vale. I heard Sonny Strait in his performance. No, I didn't hear. I didn't hear Sonny. Interesting. I didn't hear Sonny. Well, I um, in but your moments, but okay. <laughs> no, even then, but um, but yeah, I've always preferred Scott Gibbs in comedies, and this is no exception here. And even with some of the moments where he has been like more serious and dramatic. They weren't my favorite moments, but he still pulled them off, and it was really good. I think it's a solid performance all along, all around. Um, as for Joanne Bonasso, I think this is the first time I've actually heard her play an old woman character before. Okay. Um, because I've because I've predominantly seen her in Nozaki Kun and small clips of Chaika, but um, I actually really enjoyed her as Fumio. I think she brings a she brings a lot she brings some energy to the character too, even though this is an older woman. And I also find it funny with that little flashback scene of when she was a little girl. Um, yeah, that was the best. That was the best because that is, again that is also Joanne. They didn't go with someone else. Um, and I thought and they did in the Japanese. They got a different actress to play the younger version. Yeah, Joanne plays played the younger version. Um, I could tell right away. <laughs> but I enjoyed her as Fumio a lot. She has a fun energy about her. She can be strict at the same time. But um, I will agree with Zenith on the fact that Ishiki is the stand-up between the two. But I will disagree with Fumio not working because I did enjoy Joanne Bonasso as Fumio. But Ish Ishiki... It's the... <laughs> He's a good. He he's a good boy. Dialogue. He's a good boy. Scott Gibbs is a good boy, which, by the way, no relation to Adam Gibbs. So let's not get that mixed up. Scott Gibbs is a good boy. I enjoyed it. Thank you. But but he is um but he is related to the brothers Gibbs from the Bee Gees, right? No. I doubt oh. that. <laughs> nice you're, try. You're crushing my dreams here. I'm right, sorry. Well, I'm the killjoy, okay? Jamal, don't crush my dreams here. Uh, tell, tell me, uh, please tell me Scott Gibbs is a good boy. Tell me. It's kind of funny how Sam says that he's perfect as Ishiki, because I remember listening to the Umaru-chan episode. A couple people were saying that he's so hot they want to pour, crack an egg on his abs and cook it. <laughs> so, you, wow. so, you know what? So, you know that. what? Ishiki's got abs. There you go. 
And if you tell yeah, me, I, I, I have to stand by this because Ishki, Ishki also has an ass. But... Yeah, if you turn him around, he has hot cross buns, but that's besides yes! the point. <laughs> Th those buns are pretty damn hot. I'm not gonna I, lie. No, 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 no lie. Was... No lie. When I was introduced to him in his first episode, I was like, oh god, let me cover my eyes. And then I, I just, I just kept on watching after that. I didn't cover my eyes anymore. <laughs> Stop. Scott Gibbs was perfect in this world, and as for Joanna Fumio, well, besides Bonasso sounding like a vegetable, the name that is, I just yeah. think Joanne was put. I think Joanne was good in this world. I mean, sounded just enough as an old woman to me, especially, <laughs> especially after the kitchen challenge where she starts flashing back. Then all of a sudden, she's trying to kiss so she's much. She's trying to kiss so much. She's like, Great. give me some sugar. And he's like, no! <laughs> Stop I it! Don't make a girl say it out loud. I almost lost oh my, my God, shit. <laughs> Please warm me up. Oh. It's a good, it's a good use of your older character. He was great. And I do appreciate that she doesn't become like a cougar throughout the show. Like I was a little worried when the show first started that, that was going to be her role, but no, she, like she she sells into cool grandma character throughout the rest of the series. Yeah, that cougar bit was just that one scene, but that was only because of a flashback. So. Yeah, exactly. Like, like she, just like we said at the top of this, cooking is everything in Toski, and she has not lost her passion for being critical about students cooking throughout the years. She also hasn't lost her passion for bragging about the students at Polar Star Dormitory for being part of the Elite Ten. Yeah. You bums. <laughs> you lazy bums. We, we used to have uh, Polar Star Dormitory people always used to be part of the Elite Ten. I like you, slackers. <laughs> You're just killing chickens and cutting logs and, and smoking out your rums. Yeah. <laughs> it's not sake, it's malted rice. That is fucking sake. <laughs> the show cannot lie to me. It's, it's, it's called it's rice juice, special rice juice. No, don't you dare fucking lie to me, show. Stop Very it. Well. Alright, so we have, thank you, everyone. The third course was delicious. Thank you, both Scott and Joanne, for doing a really good job with these characters. So let's keep going up the Polar Star Doratory rank, shall we? Into two characters that aren't as prominent in the first season, but get a lot more uh, development in the autumn election of season two. So we definitely want to see how well the English actors did this first time around. We have, and like we said, all the uh, chefs, students in the school, have like one specialty, like thing that defines their cooking style. Let's move on to Shun Ibusaki. And his thing is, first of all, he has no eyeballs because his hair is always covering his <laughs> eyes. But his specialty is smoked dishes. So we always see him with a chainsaw cutting the wood that he specifically grows or uh, prepares in such a way that when you smoke it, it cooks up the food that he's making up very well. He is the Prince of Smoke. He also got yelled at for smoking out his verb. <laughs> <laughs> it was I, great. What, you can't oh. say it wasn't nicotine, but yeah. Reminds me of college. Oh my god! <laughs> what I don't think to? that extent, but okay. And I know. now, speaking of uh, someone who who uh, wants to kick you out of his room, we also <sighs> have we have Zenji Maru. <laughs> poor and Zenji. I feel Zenji is <laughs> poor Zenji. I feel bad for that guy. <laughs> I mean, what? get out of my room! Why do you have the party in my room? Guy gets his room trashed, and he has to <laughs> marathon it. Had his training camp three days straight. Yeah. It just he, he keeps letting it happen to him, you know. He doesn't have the balls to kick them out. 
No, but he just ends, no. He gets pissed and then just ends up in part of the competition, whether it's a card game or something, and passes the fuck out. Yeah, it's two hours. He just goes along with it by accident. Two minutes well, and fifty-one what? seconds in. That was a new record. <laughs> You're right. We should note that uh, his his role in the show is not just to be the guy whose room everyone groups in. He's also proven to be very meticulous in studying, and so he gets. I forget what the exact title is in the autumn election, but he's renowned for his intensive knowledge of cooking. Like, he studies very fervently, and so he makes amazing dishes, which is why he's been able to survive this long, even with everyone trying to take over his room. These characters are voiced by... Shun is voiced by Houston Hayes, and Zenji is... I said, it's just per <laughs> yeah! perfect casting here. Everyone's favorite whipping boy, Greg Ayers! Oh. Yeah, I, I think I think in my predictions I actually had Greg here, <laughs> so I'm like yes. Yes. So yeah. This so um, I I'm actually not even sure. did I even write I didn't even write down roles that Greg has been in for other shows. Good job, you're prepared smooth. today. I don't have to. Here's like I can go look at my shelf and see. Okay, Greg was the lead in these roles. Okay, he is the lead in Beck Mongolian Chop Squad. He is the lead in De uh, Dead Man Wonderland. He is, he's basically the nasally uh, high-pitched character who we love in all shows. Like, he's the otaku geek person in Welcome to the NHK. Like, he's actually been jumping between uh, Houston and Dallas for basically his entire career. Yeah. Now, Houston Hayes is a little interesting, though, because that's a name that I did not recognize when we first got here, but... When we first got here, when we first started up this. <laughs> what? But when we when first, first got here. When we first got to this, yeah, yeah we're, we're in a recording studio together, people. We have the Dub yes. Talks productions. Like, I, I don't Surprise! Know. We made it official. No. Yeah, yeah, we're all living I in the same wish. town now. I wish. One day, one day. But, okay, so what Houston has been in the past is he is uh, Miroku Fuji, Fujima in Beyond the Boundary. He's Tadashi in Tomiko Market, um, one that I'm sure Lilac's also going to love. He's Shin in Amnesia. No. And he is uh, Dosetsu in um, Haiku de Haikendo. I, there's a long subtitle to that. I'm sure I pronounce this right. Haikendo. I cannot pronounce the rest of the whole thing here. Where should I put that? Hakuden? No, it, it's Haiken Haikenden, Eight Dogs of the East. Yeah, Hakuden. Oh, uh, Hakuden. Thank you. Sorry. I like I said, people. I'm. I have an, an English degree for a reason. I did not get a Japanese degree. <laughs> but more importantly, we need to talk about how these two characters really did. So Jamal, tell me how both Houston and Greg did in portraying two not exactly background characters, but not as prevalent members of the Polar Star dormitory. Well, Zenji, I feel felt bad for that guy because, <laughs> but Greg is placed in perfectly. I mean, this is. Greg Ayers does what Greg Ayers does best, and we love him all the same for it. Shun, however, you have to refresh my memory. He's the dude with his eyes covered by his hair, right? That's yes. correct. Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He is the stoic guy, the stoic male character yeah. of the dormitory. Yeah, he's a pretty chill guy, and like you just see him in the end credits just tossing his security with the... He has a thing with cups, apparently. Yeah. Because in the hotel room, he had a thing with cups. <laughs> yeah. He... Soma was just juggling right next to <laughs> he him. He did, and... He's just balancing cups while he has one in his mouth. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> he did, and uh, since he's someone I'm not familiar with, I'm starting to get used to him. 
Now, did, what did you think about Houston's acting on that? Uh, it was in like, the chem the character kind of blends to the background just a bit, but he 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 does a very good job on him. Okay, that's that's a fair enough assessment. Um, Zenith, did uh, did Houston or Greg stand out to you at all? Um, first of all, I just want to say that Greg Ayers is cast perfectly. Yes. Oh my god. That's exactly what god. I mean. Perfect cast. Like, Greg Ayers was one of the few, uh, like, they're, they're uh, a group of characters from the moment they open their mouths. I'm like, I, I have nothing to say. These are perfect. Like, in, inside and outside of the role, like, loved this entirety. And I think it does a great job of distinguishing between him as this, you know, frustrated student who who's, gets exhausted all the time and all this other stuff. Um, but also when he gets to be the professor of taste, every single point of this is perfect. And uh, it just, I actually think this is one of the few characters who's better than the, the Japanese. Um, I like the Japanese, but like this one character, like Greg just knocks it out of the park here. Uh, I also think that, um, as for, uh, Shun, uh, Ibusaki, yeah. yes, uh, as for him, um, I unfortunately prefer a little bit more the Japanese sub, but just a little because the performance is great here. This is one of those, um, that I think is a little bit unorthodox, and when I first heard it, I'm like, I feel like the voice could have been a little bit smoother but overall, I think uh, it grows after the first episode we see him, and um, you can't go wrong with either. So I think uh, great performance there as well. Now, see, I thought it was a little bit of a thankless role as it is, because he doesn't stand out as much. He doesn't have as much dialogue. His presence is mostly in the animation and just being there, and also with what he does well, which is the smokedness. I was actually a little surprised. I thought they might have given him, not a smoother voice like you thought, but a raspier voice, like someone who would actually be affected by all that smoke. So I was a little surprised that they, they gave him a very normal sounding voice. And that, that's yeah, that, was... that's that's kind of what I was... It, it's not a bad voice. I, I do want to say that. It's not a bad no, voice. Um, but they gave him a little bit normal, whereas in the Japanese, he was, um, he was just more laid back, and he was more like... He sounded like smoke. You know? He, yeah, he, he definitely had a, a, yeah, like you said, a laid-back voice to it. Yeah. All right. So I, I don't think it's bad. I just think it's unorthodox, and it grew on me over the course of the uh, uh, of the season. Okay. So, so yeah, I, I think that's about, that's an okay trait to have is that we don't have anything bad to say about it. If it's a character that's just okay, then, I mean, take it or leave it as it is. If we're trying to recommend the show to other people to say, should you watch in the dub or the sub, it's much better to say, this character is just normal and okay, rather than it's grating on my ears and I needed to change the audio track to get through the episode. So, Lilac, do you have any thoughts on these two characters? Well, I'm going to keep my thoughts on Greg short, sweet, and to the point, he's absolutely perfect. That's Zenji. Nice. And I feel bad for Zenji. Yeah, we all do. Short and sweet. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, Houston Hayes, on the other hand, um, the only other role I've actually heard Houston Hayes in as of right now, and I'm surprised you didn't bring it up, Diabolic Lovers More Blood. No, 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 I'm blocking that. Again, I've never seen it. How can you block it if you've never seen it? Yeah. Exactly. 
You make no sense to me sometimes. Anyway, um... But I think so, Brain. But if Jimmy cracked corn and no one cares, why does he keep doing it? Noah, shut up. Noah, shut up. Um... Love you too. <laughs> I hate you means I love you. <laughs> so, anyway, anyway, so, Houston. Anyway, um, Houston Hayes. Between... Shun here, and then his character in Diabolic Love for Blood. I actually prefer his character here compared to that show. Um, really? To be fair, I also had no idea who Houston Hayes was at the time. And <coughs> now that I'm getting to know... <coughs> excuse me. And now that I'm kind of getting to know his range a little bit too, because he was actually recently announced for another Sentai dub, and as the lead, mm -hmm. as a matter of fact, but we're not yep. talking about it, um, and I have seen some clips for it, it's very interesting, and I think even then I might prefer him here as Shun compared to that show, but that's a story for another day. And, like, I get what you're saying that you were hoping maybe for some, like, rasp or, like, sounding like smoke kind of deal. Mm -hmm. I still think that Houston played him as a rather laid-back guy, kind of laid-back but more on the quiet side, which Shun's character is again, relatively quiet. He doesn't really say or do much. Yeah. And I think Houston was able to portray that very well. So I do like Houston. I just want... I just really hope to see more um, of his character grow. Especially because in, in, the, in the fall um, selection arc, he does become a bit more prominent. So I'm very excited to actually see him get a chance to like show his stuff in a way. Very good. And yeah, we'll <coughs> we will definitely get to see more of that. So, alright, we have passed Smoke and Get Out of My Room, and now we should probably move on to the, uh, the, what were we on, like, the fifth course now? I lost track somewhere down the road. One, Let's have an appetizer, shall we? And we're going with ladies. We're going to have the ladies of the Polar Star Dormitory here, and for these two, we have Yuki Yoshino, who is, in my notes, a lost member of Silver Spoon, because she loves growing wildlife that is particularly she's trying to grow she's trying to breed a variety of chicken that is the best in the world i mean you're not wrong she could be a silver spoon character <laughs> she really could i think she she escaped out of the of the, that show and you know wandered into this one instead and but of course uh, we, we need to balance her out with um a different kind of uh someone who grows something and that is <laughs> ryoko sakaki who as we alluded to earlier, likes to make up, in quotation marks, special rice juice. Oh, for fuck's sake. I mean, sake. That is not <laughs> juice. That is not juice. Though it does make for a nice... Though it does make for a nice... And they note, in, in the Japanese, they note that, that it, it is still juice. And I'm like, yeah. I, it's, it's, not an, it's not an American thing. I'm just like, but... We know we know they're having sake. It's yeah. Rice wine. So it does. At the very least, it's awesome. Though it does again, make for a nice again, aperitif. No, again, you can't fool me, show. <laughs> it's because the show in subtitles is like this is juice. Yeah. This is juice. You can't fool me, show. Well, I was kind of. No, you can't. I thought what they're gonna do is you, you know how in um the at least in the high dive release they have like little uh, pop up texts that describe some of the the food or the Japanese terminology for the American viewers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I thought they were going to like pop up and say, uh, fermented rice juice is also known as sake. Yeah. <laughs> no, they went with what the Japanese title had on what subtitle had on the screen. This is juice. <laughs> this is actually juice. Fine, so, fine, don't teach yeah. the kids to drink, I get it. Since we've had the nice aperitif, why don't we get right to the course then? Who are voicing Ooh. these actors? 
The act. I love your powers of segues. You, sir, you get a free. Um, what am I giving away? You get a pancake. Speak. All right. Speaking of fluffy goodness, the voice of Yuki is, and I don't even have to introduce her roles to you. Lucy Christian. Ta-da! Yeah, she has been in everything and then some. And to and to top that off, we also for the voice of Ryoko have. A lesser-known uh, Sentai voice actress, Kelly Peters. Now, for Lucy Christian, like I said, if you've seen any anime in the past few years, you have heard a Lucy Christian role before. She has, just, just to name some roles that are similar to her role, uh, to her voice acting in this. She was Kirino in Bamboo Blade. She's Tenma in School Rumble. She's Ron in Super Gals. And most prominently in this year, she played Ochoko in My Hero Academia. And Kelly, though, like I said, she has enough roles that you could count on your two hands. But um, I'm going to skip over one of them that we're going to talk about later. But she was also uh, the character of Row 2 in Log Horizon. And she's a bunch of different characters in Nozaki-kun. And that's about it for Kelly. So, we should probably uh, knock it out of the way here. How many of us love Lucy Christian in this role? Let's see a show of hands. It's kind of hard to show you hands, but... Um, no, I, I can see it through the microphone. Yeah, totally. Uh, I yeah. loved it, and I loved... Uh, it. I I've been watching um, Oran High School Host Club, so the entire th time I'm just like, oh my god, Honey Senpai is in the dorm? I love this. Because <laughs> really like, you, you've never seen Oran before now, right? Yeah, mm. I, I'm officially halfway through. I've been watching Yay! with a friend. Good. So we we, didn't we show you that back at Yomacon last year? Um, I think you showed me, like, the first few episodes. Uh, uh, okay. But, yeah, like, I've been watching it. And, uh, yeah, this is another one that I thought from the very beginning, it's perfect. Uh, Honey Senpai works perfectly in the dorm. Um, I think uh, uh, the other one does a fantastic job as well. I didn't have any complaints. Um, I think I think you can't go wrong with either the Japanese or the, the dub uh, in this case. Both perfect casting, no problems. Yeah, I have to. I have to say, I enjoyed Lucy. I think the moment that really, really sold it for me was the first night that someone was in the dorm and they're having that party, and then they're basically fighting with each other, and then she gets insulted about her goddamn game. <laughs> She's like, "Somebody just people just don't understand the ways of this of my methods." Give me an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I was done. I'm like, "Yep, Lucy's yeah. perfect." Wait, wait, like when she when she like flips her shit and she's ready to go like ham and go yep. grab something I'm like like just in general this is such a great performance. Yeah. Yeah. And then it, it's Kelly who's the other one, right? Kelly Peters. Yeah. Kelly Peters. Um unfortunately the character isn't much of a standout right now aside from being a support system along a support system for basically Megumi if anyone. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is the first time I've ever really heard or talked about Kelly Peters before. Mm -hmm. So it's not a standout. I can see the potential that's there, and I really want to see where she goes with it. Because um, the moments where she, did, where they did have the rice juice, just um, she was very amusing as at those moments. So yeah, the potential is there. Um, it's just similar to. Um, Jay Hickman is not a memorable performance for me right now. Okay. 
Um, Jamal, did uh, did you have a similar assessment of uh, Kelly? Because I'm going to assume that you also had no qualms with Christi uh, Lucy Christian. Well, Lucy Christian is immortal, pretty much. Uh, she will outlive all of us. Yes, and Kelly Peters, like Lilac says, is not as memorable. Like the her voice does work for the character somewhat, but it's not really coming out at me right now. Maybe in the second half of the dub, I don't know. But only time oh, will well, she does have the the uh, the role of being the more maternal character, like especially after yeah. the secret Shokugeki, she's the yeah. one who's keeping her composure and has to like yeah. lecture everyone on what's going on. So yeah. I, I like I, I like the way that Kelly portrays her. It's not a um, it, a lot of times I'll have a problem with characters that are in high school are supposed to be maternal, but it's obviously voiced by like an older woman, and so it'll, like her older and I say older, I mean like middle aged. 30, 40 year old voice will come out. And I didn't really get that off of Kelly. Like, it sounded convincing enough as a high school student yeah. who just happens to be, like, more yeah. mature than her co workers. Sounds like most of the people. Sounds like most of the people I knew in high school, but yeah, she did a good job for what the character was worth, so. You mean, like, most of the people you went to high school with were more mature, or you were the mature one? Both. Oh. Okay, <laughs> then. All right, so I'm getting the okay. I'm getting a picture here. Jamal went to a school where everyone was mature, but they also smoked. Okay, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting a picture here. What? I think, I think Jamal was like a breed of like superhumans or something. No. no. Okay. Stop. Move stop on. assuming. And let's anyway, just move on. What do we have next? next okay, please. I'm glad you enjoyed your appetizer, everyone. So. Now we need to move on to one of the main courses, and this is going to be trifold here because we've moved out of the polar, tor polar star dormitories and into the rest of the people who are classmates in Toski Academy. And because this is a shonen series, of course, a lot of them are going to be antagonists slash have to battle against the main character at some point, or at least that's how they start out with. The good thing about They're this series is they're my rival. They start out He's rivals. my rival. I'm pulling the black clover. I'm sorry. He's my don't rival. You, don't, don't you bring that badness upon this house. Too bad. Oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking of black garlic when you say black cloves. But <laughs> Look, don't don't talk about honey and clover or whatever it's called. We'll talk about that in another episode. Anyway, moving on. I know, I know, right? Actually, there is a manga just called Clover by Clamp. But that's not related to this at all. What is related to this, though, is we have three characters who are most important to because they become kind of like friends to Soma later on in the series. The first of these three is the one who you've probably seen in some gift forms because she has the American flag as a bra and loves her some meat. Say hello to Ikumu Mito, voiced by Rachel Landon. Next to her, we have two characters that are almost exclusively seen together Mostly because of the art style, because one of them has white hair, the other has black hair. Those two are Alice Nakiri, who is a cousin to a character we'll talk about in a bit, and is voiced by Christina Kelly. And next to her, one who is voiced by someone who many of you probably already know. This is Ryo Kurukiba, and he is voiced by, say with me everyone, Loraldo Anzaldua. Thank you, I, I, I was saying... Say it for me so I don't have to mis mispronounce his last name. Loraldo Anzaldua. Thank you. So, like I said, these characters are, um, they're fun characters because they start out antagonistic, but they, Soma, like, embraces them as friends almost immediately. Like, the concept of rival doesn't exist in his brain. 
So, Jamal, tell me, um, of these three characters, uh, which one did you uh, like the most? I'd say Ikumi because, you know, pretty much her demeanor, her flame-boiled whoppers, her... <laughs> I'm about to say, stick. why am I not surprised you pick meat meat? Her skirt steak. I think her rump boss looks good, but I'd stay away from her oh tender cuts because I think she's underage. God damn it! Jamal! I love you, but God! I said we're, we're going to be doing so many damn food puns, people are going to facepalm all over the place, but Jesus Oh, Christ. come on, you had to have seen this coming. Especially you, yeah. know I, I had to have. I knew this was coming, but I didn't expect it to be this much. <laughs> You're allowed one lecherous moment in the episode. In, in, a, in a show with lots, uh, admittedly, lots of wibble. Anyway, wibble, 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 wibble. I liked her demeanor and Rachel Land is some, but it took me a little time to get used to, but I did like how she portrayed the antagonistic side and the violent side, which is pretty much the same. But she, when she really came out against Soma in the end, and it kind of worked very well. Uh, Alice, Alice, <laughs> I like her playful, playful nature, and Christina Kelly really emphasized both the uh, spiteful and playful sides of her. I also, yeah. I also think she, she, well, when we get to it, I'll explain. But, <gasps> but did you have the same thought as I did? Well, well, we'll see, we'll see. And, we, and Rio... Don't take the lid off that one yet. And, and Rio, I mean, guy loves playing with his balls and he doesn't talk much, but for what I did here... <laughs> no! I was balls? drinking my orange juice, you motherfucker! <laughs> I, I almost spit that balls. out! As a prop to make you more intimidating. <laughs> oh, come on, I know you had seen that scene. <laughs> anyway, he doesn't talk much, but for what he does talk, I, I thought it was okay, it wasn't... It's not as memorable to me right now, but if he probably might be in the second half, I don't know yet. So he does get more. He gets a lot more lines in the second half or in the second season, particularly. Okay. Then. Yeah, um, and I, I apologize, everyone. I forgot to point out some of the, the roles these characters have played in the past. Yes, so let did. me insert that right now, really quickly. Um, uh, Rachel is um, she's a uh, Yuko in my love story. She is Ariko in Onigiri, and um, I don't know why this show keeps popping up, but okay. She is Yao Hao Doshi in Gate. Like, it seems like everyone in the show has been in Gate for some reason. Well, Gate's also a recent Sentai dub, so it makes sense. Right, but I didn't realize it had this big of a cast that everyone could fit into it. As far as I know, if it's a reasonably sized cast, honestly. Alright. Well, what is not a reasonably sized cast is some of the shows that Christina has been in, because she hasn't been in quite as many, um... But uh, if you watch recent Sentai shows, you most definitely heard her as Sylphine Fond Tachibana. Sylphine Ford. Thank you. I'm, again, I can't pronounce Italian. In Umaru-chan. It's not even Italian. Uh, what movie? I on. don't know what that language is. It's like, it, it's Latin of some sort. I, move it, on. Yeah. Just move it's on. Not Engl it's not English. That's the point. <laughs> and she also, uh, she's also Mine in Akame Got Killed. Oh, boy. But for uh, Loraldo, he is very prominent because he's actually been voice acting for quite a while. Like, to give you an idea, one of his earlier roles, he was Emilio in Red Garden, back when ADV had that one. You're he's also, right. he's Yota in uh, Love, Chinibio, Delusions, and he's JJ. No, 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 not that JJ. You JJ from Gachiman Crowds. 
completely different character. Gigi would murder you if you were trying to say JJ from Yuri on Ice. Well, you know, she can murder me for this final role I'm going to mention because a lot of people are dead in this show. He is the lead character of Takashi in High School of the Dead. Oh, Lord. Which I can just hear Gigi right now is screaming about, I hate that show so much. See, I know him from Hamatora, actually, as art. Ah, see, I hadn't seen that yet. I also heard the dub wasn't very good. Well, th there were parts of it that were good, parts of it were not so good. Because the show itself is kind of eh to begin with. Well, honestly. what did you think about this show, Lilac? For uh, these three characters. Loraldo's actually the only one that I've actually heard in previous stuff. Rachel and um, Christine, I haven't heard anything else, really. Mm -hmm. Same um, and in But Loraldo's case, Rio only has, like, two goddamn lines. It's very hard to judge off of that right now. Yeah, him, he, yeah, his like him compared, yeah, him compared to Alice, like he had like barely anything. So it's hard for him for me to judge his performance right now. But what I'm interested in is that you know that flip of the switch yeah. that he has later on, because um, Rio has gets, a story. But essentially, when, when he gets, he gets cooking, yeah. yeah. When he gets cooking, and he, cause he's, like, Soma, he has, like, a red scarf tied around his wrist. When he puts that bandana on his head, dude gets angry as shit. Mm -hmm. He gets very He gets ferocious. very mouthy, very ferocious and competitive, but otherwise than that, he's usually very quiet. So I'm very interested to see how he plays that later on. Um, Rachel Landon is Mito. Where are my mm. notes? I think she was fantastic. Yeah. Um, it took a little bit of adjusting, but she kind of brings in a mix of, like, sexy, because she does have some of those little bits there. Like, <laughs> sexy, but also, and this is weird to say it, kind of rugged? Because she's more of, she's more yeah. of the tom, she's more of the tomboy she, character. Yeah. yeah, she's got rug, a rug, lower rugged, voice. Rugged might not be the right word here, um, but she's more of the tomboy character of this show. And I think Rachel plays that wonderfully. And then Christina Kelly, I really do like her as Alice, but I feel like there's a place that she would have been better suited for. Oh, Sh should we keep that under wraps for right now? Yeah. We'll keep it under wraps for now, and that's all I'm going to say. All right, put that one back in the oven yep. until it's time to take it out. Uh, yep. Zenith, while that's being put in the oven, let's take out your dish and uh, take a look at what you've got for these three pretty important characters. I'm pretty much in the same boat. Like, uh, Rio does not have enough lines uh, in this, yeah. e even in this entire season. He gets so much more in season two. Mm -hmm. uh, granted, uh, a lot of what he does is, uh, you know, in the second half of this season, right. which is where he has that second personality. And I feel that's where his actual personality lies. So you can't really judge it. Um, I think he does a much better job later on when he brings out that second personality, but you don't get enough here. Um, I was like, yeah, for, again, like, you're the only person who's seen the entire first season of the dub. Like, the rest of us are like, we're just waiting for for Hyde to put more on there. Just, again, to <laughs> remind people, we three out of the four of us haven't seen the entire dub. Zenith is the only one who has seen the first season of the dub. Yes, and I I do have to say that when he brings out his actual personality, it's fantastic. I'm like excited the, mm -hmm. now that you say that. Nice. Yeah. I'm excited. Um, Alice is one of those cases where I feel it was an unorthodox casting. It grew on me as time went on, but I think for 
for the opening bits, I was still kind of iffy. It, it, it gets better, and I think a lot of it happens when she actually has more to do. Um, she really doesn't have a lot to do, uh, aside from, like, talk shit in this <laughs> opening uh, bit. She talks a lot of smack. Dude, did you see that egg dish she made? That is nothing to talk shit about. That is bombshell stuff. I know, that right? Yeah. Yeah, but other than that, like, honestly, she doesn't have enough to do in this first bit. She has much, much more in the tournament, and that's where she starts to stand out a little bit more. But I think overall, the voice is a little bit too unorthodox sometimes. Um, I, I think it would work better as another character. Um, oh and uh, as for Mito, this was another un unorthodox one that I really loved. Because, like, when I first saw it, I'm like, oh, they're playing up the sexiness. And then I'm like, oh, this really, really works. Especially when she has her quiet moments. Especially when um, she changes and becomes much more of a, a person who's kind of in love with Soma. Yeah. And I think, I think that really works because she played up that angle. Uh, especially I, what I really loved was that flashback when she was doing her meat piano and then she flashbacks to her childhood. Yeah. Like, she has some of the best moments, I think, in season one uh, that you guys have seen in the dub because, like, she she really changes and grows, and I think it a lot of the voice acting really helps it in the dub. It definitely does. Yeah, I would not have changed this uh, casting choice, I don't think, especially because we needed someone who was supposed to be not not the kind of sexy that's like um like tihi uh, moe it's it's very uh, mature you know it's like almost intimidating sexuality but the one i actually i had a little problem with actually was um was alice's uh, voice actress christina and it's not because i thought she wasn't good or because i would have put her in like a different spot it's because okay alice has to has two different personalities like even in the art style She's got the very snobbish, I am better than you because I study gastrology cooking. But then she has, like, the, the moe-fied, chibi version of her that's, like, all frazzled and, like, her cheeks, cheeks get all puffed out. That's the version that I think Christina uh, handled the best. And that happens, like, that happens back and forth throughout the series. But in the more serious moments, it just comes off as a, a tiny bit too snobbish. But that's probably just because that's how the character herself was written. Like, there's instances in the show where... There is, you cannot make the characters any more likable because they're just not written to be very likable. So yeah, so those are my uh, thoughts on Alice. And, um, but again, I think that she's gonna probably have a lot of, uh, like, I have no problems with uh, Christina's acting on it. In fact, she has a lot of really great comedic timing, so I'm glad that she's portraying the character as is. I guess I just wish she was better written in the show itself. But hey, she made white asparagus edible. That is a magic power in and of itself. <laughs> Huzzah! Alright. Because asparagus, y'all. Have you had white asparagus? I've never had white asparagus mm -mm. before, actually. Uh, none of you? Okay. It's... I've had regular asparagus, but I've never had white asparagus. It, it has to be prepared in a specific way, and it's not easy to do. Oh, I imagine. So, um... Okay, that was uh, dish number 20. Shall we move on to dish number 25? <laughs> Let's move on to dish number 6,000. Let's All go. All right. <laughs> so we so many dishes. I, I, I'm still hungry. Although I have to, I, I'm wondering while watching the show, these characters are eating all the time. How are they all not like six feet wide? Have you seen how I much mean, they're under feet daily? That's on. an exercise in and of itself. You, 
Noah, Noah, you can't say all of them don't end up as six feet wide. Is there a character I'm forgetting about who is a bit larger than the others? Mm-hmm. You might be. It, might is it be. one that we're supposed to be talking about next? I believe so. Oh, you're right. Thank you, Ta-da! Lila. Segway, Segway power activate. We are master of segways. We don't need Andrew here. Fuck Andrew. <laughs> Fuck Andrew. No, we love you, Andrew. I'm sorry. We do. But I, what I love more than Andrew is I love Italy. Because Italy has some of the greatest cooking possible. In fact, I just recently learned how to use balsamic vinegar to make meat dishes even more delicious. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jamal knows what I'm talking about. So, from Italy, we have our next two characters. And these two are really prominent in that one of them thinks of himself as the main opponent of uh, Soma. (laughs) Sorry, he's funny. But he's a good enough uh, character as is that... um, you know, we like having her around. It is Takumi Aldini and Isami Aldini, two brothers from Italy whose father sends them to Japan, to Totsuki Academy, to better themselves so that they can take over the Aldini restaurant in Italy one day. Yeah, and similar, similarly to um, Soma wanted to take over his dad's restaurant, he, and he's been working in the restaurant. The Aldini brothers have worked in their dad's restaurant. So basically... Takumi gets offended during the opening ceremony when uh, Soma is like, yeah, none of you understand working in, working in front of customers. Takumi apparently took big I, offense to that. Yeah, I, I have no desire to lose to a bunch of amateurs who've never even worked in front of a customer before. Yes. And Takumi's like, Takumi's bitch. offended. Bitch, I... He's like, this is my rival. You're my rival, damn it. Fight me, Soma. <laughs> and then he's, he's like, the next time we meet, it's on. And then, like, two seconds later on the bus going back, he's just like, shut up! <laughs> so chummy. He's so, so these adorable. two characters are voiced by um, uh, a, mix, <clears throat> a mix of both old and new talent. For Takumi, we have Bryson Baugus, who is uh, not, doesn't have as many roles to his name, but a couple of big ones are, um, uh, he's Bell in uh, Is It Wrong to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon?, He's Don Machi. Dot that I, yeah, I should just call it Don Machi, shouldn't I? Makes it um, shorter, he's, yeah. He's Gel Sadra in Gachaman Krau's Insight, and he's Kimihito in Monster Musune. So, you know, a Spoilers! Of more recent ones, like, I don't care. This food's all getting spoiled. <laughs> Fuck it! <laughs> Fuck but it, we'll do it pro- live! More, <laughs> more prominently than Bryson, though, the voice of Isami is... One that all of you fine folks of, uh, who know Sentai actors yeah. know. I call it, bullshit! It's Clint Bickham! Bullshit! Bullfucking shit that is not Clint Bickham! <laughs> You're a lying sack of shit! Well, I... But, 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 Sen- no, no, Sentai, you're a lying sack of shit. I'm not, I shouldn't blame this on no one. Sentai's a lying sack of shit! This is not Clint Bickham! What uh, the fuck? Are you kidding? Uh, you sound a I'm little sorry. unconvinced there. No, no. Uh, just just keep going. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> I, I guess. Well, I mean, I, I thought it was Clint Bickham. The same Clint Bickham who is Yoshifumi Aiko in Kokoro Connect, who is, Haro, Har, um, is um, Haru in Suritama, who is Renji in EF Tell Memories. But the one that I know him most for is he plays the lead character, Horo, or Horo I, I'm sorry, I can't pronounce it. In a little-known show that all you need to go watch called Magicano, which nobody remembers, but
but is amazing, I promise you, and he's amazing as the lead in that, or the lead male in that show. See, I know him as the main lead, Aki, from Beyond the Boundary. He's amazing. Right, I need to see that's that the one. best. That's the best role, in my opinion, that he has. I only know him more as a scriptwriter, so... Fair. That's true. He, he does, pulls double duty. A lot. So, Jamal, what did you think of uh, Bryson and not Clint Bickham? <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned not Clint Bickham, because I thought Takumi was Clint Bickham. <laughs> I, I always, I, for a minute there, when I was starting the show again, I'm like, fuck, which brother is the right one? I don't know. <laughs> like, either way, I would have called bullshit whether it was Clint or Bryson, but and I was just like, which is the right one? <laughs> They're both. And it's funny. It's funny, because I'm not used to Clint's voice, so when I hear him in the dub, I'm like, oh, okay, he's Cl- oh, he's, he's talking to me. I go and look at the credits, he's the fat one. I'm like, bullshit. <laughs> you call bullshit, too. Yeah, because the thing about it is, with Clint, I don't know, I guess it's kind of like a, I want to say a little Witch Academia or Kiss Him Not Me situation, where they... It sounded like they were trying to use a, a fat guy voice or something to the point that there was, like I said, there was no way that was Clint Bickham. But at the okay. same time, I did not really find myself offensive. Because when you hear a fat guy talk, you don't hear a fat, fat guy talk really, really like that, you know? Yeah, yeah, I hear what you mean. Especially if you compare it to the voice they use in the Japanese, which is pretty similar to the English voice. Yeah. And Takumi, Takumi was pretty good, I mean... But it's kind of hard to... I didn't listen to him in the Japanese, but I would imagine it's kind of hard to compare to the Japanese. Well, the Japanese... Uh, here's the thing. I thought the Japanese would actually get, like, an Italian who could speak Japanese just to try to go for, like, a convincing cross-nation uh, uh, cross character, but... Oh, no, God, did, no. That'd be too much effort. Try. That'd be yeah, too much yeah. effort. There's a lot of instances... <laughs> Like, I didn't mention this before, but Alice uh, is actually half Danish, so there's a quite a few instances where... Oh, yeah? Are, oh, yeah? Yeah, so a lot oh, of... Oh, wait, the, that's German. That no, is no. German. Yeah, wrong, wrong East European nation. West German. <gasps> I need to brush on my geography, I'm sorry. But I'm East, sorry. It's Eastern. But you were saying about Bryson. Uh, you are saying what about it, uh, Jamal? I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. I can't... I would imagine it'd be difficult to compare it to the Japanese, especially who plays them in Japanese. I forget who plays them in who, Japanese. Who is it again? It's been a while since I watched the Na- Japanese. Natsuki Hanai. Natsuki Haino? Haino? Yeah. Oh! Hmm. You make a valid point. But then again, I haven't listened to the whole thing in sub, so I can't really talk, you know? Uh, right. Yeah, Nats- Natsuki Haino. That's, um... That's Kaneki, right? Mm-hmm. Kaneki or Noah, you would remember, he is um, Kosei in your line, April. Ah, oh, okay. That's yep. um, a very different personality. Yep. But um, I I personally have no problems with Bryson's uh, portrayal here. Um, I'm actually looking forward to him in uh, quite a few shows that he's uh, done recently that um, just recently came out, which, again, we won't mm. spoil what those are, but... Mm-hmm. We already say, spoiled one of them. It's too late. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. La 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 la. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not listening. It's it. Yeah, he's uh he's got a really good um, uh not really annoying shonen lead kind of voice. 
Um, which I, I thought they would maybe do something to like, hey, we could like a ridiculous Italian accent or uh, say, I'm glad they didn't go that route. No. Thank it's you, interesting Brown. you say that because there are quite a few instances where some of the characters do have, uh, some of the one-shot characters have really bad accents. Like, um, we'll talk about some of the uh, quote-unquote country characters who have like a southern drawl accent Ooh, to them. That you know, bugged me. It bugged me a uh, lot too. However, at the same time, John Dramillion as Mr. Chappelle. Yeah. Mwah, beautiful. French accent. It's, beautiful. Uh, uh, yeah. And it's funny because on my list of predictions, I had them as John Swayze. So. <laughs> That's great, actually. I mean, could have worked, I guess. Anyway. Could have should have worked it, but it didn't. So. Anyway. All right. So, so, yeah, like I said, Bryson's good. Clint is good, too. Um, I, I love the balancing act they have with each other, not just in the original uh, writing, but their voices that balance each other out good. And I, I can just see them both cosplaying as um, the uh, the Elric brothers from FMA, and Clinton's would be like, "Big brother, please don't get upset about being so short." Oh my god, like, that'd another... be the best ever. Yeah, just like do his best uh, Aaron Dismuke impression. So, okay. So, yeah, I have no problems with them. Lilac, um, so what do you think about not Clint... Not, definitely, <laughs> hell no, fuck no, not Clint Bickham. I have a contender for voice acting black magic. That's what I think. Um, oh my god. When, again, it took me a minute. I was like, which brother is which again? And then, <laughs> once I figured that out, and they said, and they gave names at that point, I'm like, that is not Clint Bickham. No, no, wait, What? Like, I didn't believe it, and I'm, and that's why I'm like, bullshit. It's so different. You I've... thought it was Isami, but oh. it was I, Clint! Oh, it was so different than I've ever heard Clint portray before. And I find it really enjoyable. It's, because <laughs> I find it interesting, Jamal, that you brought up the kiss him, not me argument with the whole more larger, heavy set characters. And Isami here... I, it, it's a mixed bag, because with the kiss him not me argument, we had the whole issue of, like, yeah. them sounding like, like, um, Sarinuma, uh, in the Japanese sounding more like a whale, <laughs> mm. and then in the English with Jeannie Tirado making it actually sound like a legit larger woman, rather than a whale. There were moments with Clint where, unfortunately, it was the opposite, where occasionally it might sound like a whale. Like More like he ate a whale. Maybe. <laughs> there were also some cute, endearing moments that I loved in the performance. And I was just so shocked that it was even Clint pulling us off. I loved it. Excuse me. I'm dying. And then as for Bryson, because I'm slowly becoming more familiar with his work too. Uh, especially because I'm going from Diabolic Lovers here. Diabolic Lovers, more blood, Does too. the whole world revolve around Diabolic Lovers? When it's ladies' night, it yeah, When it's ladies' night, when it's late, you're right. Yes, but I'm two going of from, us here... I'm going from, I'm going from basically Diabolic Lovers, more blood, to Food Wars, and then tomorrow, at the time of recording this, I'm going through Monster Musume. Good lord, that'll be an interesting Bail one. out! Bail out! I'm the host of that shit, and I didn't even remember until today. I thought Andrew was. No, I had signed up to be host of it a long-ass time ago. Well, make sure you punch Andrew afterwards. What? 
No, I volunteered for this, Jamal. You don't understand. No, I mean, I mean, cause you know, cause you know who has to go through it because of him. Oh yeah. No, uh, I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave that to her. She gets the punch in. Okay. Um, so, but, all right, all right, but so Zenith, what did you? All right, now. But but we, hold on, I'm not done talking about Bryson. Well, here, okay, fine. I'm not done talking about Bryson. I barely started. Sorry. But with Bryson is um. Takumi. I'm looking at the names again. I'm like, I don't want to get the wrong brother. Um, with Bryson as Takumi Aldini, I thought it was a lot of fun. I think it's a great fit because he's he can be strong and intimidating, but he's also really naive. Again, those moments where he's like, the one in particular, the one in particular that I mentioned before. Where he was like, when we meet again, Soma, it's on. They get on the bus, he's like, well, how's it going? Should we throw down right now? He's like, shut up! Like, those little moments. Takumi is like, in in a sense, if we're stereotyping character type, like going with character tropes, in a sense, he's a tsundere. He's a tsundere character, in a sense. And it's rather amusing to me. And I... Yeah, it's, it's and, not like I want to challenge you or anything. B- 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that Bryson he pulls off really well, and I think it's so adorable. And I loved every second of it. Also, you got me wanting to like drop fan art of like a cross between uh, between Takumi and uh, Shakugan no Shana. Now it's like yes. Usai, Usai, Usai. Do it, do it. I can't draw. Hey, internet, do it. <laughs> do, do it. Do it now. Do it. Okay, do when, it. We were, when we've resorted to memes, that proves that we need to move on. Yes, yeah. yes. Right. We need to we move on to, to, to... Who is it? Just you and Zenith now? No. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so Zenith, what did you... Uh, did you have thoughts on the Aldini brothers? One of them, who, which is definitely not Clinton Bickham. <laughs> Running gang, now. So, going off what you guys said, first of all, I, I just really want to add on to that Chappelle Sensei comment. I really loved the way they did Chappelle Sensei in this show. I think they did a great job casting someone who can actually do that accent well and, and made it convincing but not over the top. And that's really a contrast because a lot of the bit characters in the show, um, like... Uh, uh, like uh, the dawn of the research society and some of the very minor parts, um, they're really just kind of they're really bad. Like I, I don't want to say that they're horrible, but they stand out as not being good voices, not being natural voices. And Chappelle could have just been another one of these bit parts, but I really like what they did with him, and I'm glad that they gave him something really good to work with. Yeah, Chappelle, definitely very good. Okay. On to the Aldini brothers. Um, first of all, Takumi Aldini, I think, did a great job. I think um, well cast, great voice. I think it really suits the character. A little bit, like like I've been saying all this time, it is different than what I expected, but it fits extremely well, and it's someone that is fun to see. And like you mentioned in that comment, like this is one of those that... Uh, it really shines when he's challenging uh, sh- challenging Yukihira, and then later on, the, his challenges get shoved in his face, and it makes for some great jokes. Um, so I thought Takumi was great. My problem is with 
Isami Aldini. Now, I think, you know, I think great voice acting. I think Clint did, um, or if it's not Clint, it's, it's, I, it's all lies. But I, I think Clint did a great job with one exception. Throughout the entire show, he kept that particular voice. And there's portions of the show where he loses the weight. And I think that he should have changed up the voice slightly, made it more normal um, to compensate for that. And, you know, I like, Is I like Isami as a character. And I think he could have used, like, a, just a bit more care to him. I don't think it was wholly horrible. I don't. I don't think it was bad. Uh, I do think the voice suited the character um, for the most part. I mean, there were parts that I thought were just a little bit too much. But what really would have made this character better is if during the parts where he's actually like you know skinny, he would you know take some of that voice and stop doing it. And uh, I mean, granted. Um, I'm not sure how how far in that is for you guys, but that was a big problem mm -hmm. for me. Anyway, yeah. Um, so one of them I really liked. The other has some problems, but not bad. Just minute, minute. See, I don't really have anything else to add uh, compared to what you guys said. Like like you said, they they both work out really well, and I guess I wasn't as I wasn't familiar enough with Clint. Uh, what he normally sounds like to uh, to remember that this can't possibly be him, mostly because like it kind of reminded me of his role in Magicano. At least the voice does, and I, I do like how it's not um, it's not such a bad low voice trying to fake as a fat guy, someone who's clearly not fat. Like if you've seen what he looks like, he's you know, he's a decent sized guy. So yeah, these guys are good, and um, I'm really glad that we got to learn how to make a. Uh, we got to learn how to take Italian eggs into a salad with dressing to make a new kind of dish. I want to make actually, that now. That actually looks delicious. Everything looks delicious. Like, I know! I try, the only thing that doesn't look delicious is the one character who makes really smelly food that is apparently supposed to also be appetizing. But aside from that... No, what's also, is, what also is probably not delicious is those squid tentacles with whatever the fuck Soma dips them in every now and again. Peanut butter covered squid tentacles. Come here, Lilac. Have a bite. I will punch you. You would. I would. And I, yes. and I would deserve it. Yes, you speaking would. Of speaking of punches, I think it's time to move on, don't you think? Uh, you know what? Speaking of uh, calling food disgusting, I think we should oh. move on now to uh, oh, plate, boy. Number, plate 2576, where we finally, finally get to not the main characters, but the. Ones who show up, at least in all the promotional art for some reason, we're going to get to who is essentially the the antagonist, dot, 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 of the series, Erina Nakiri, who is known as the God Tongue because she has a palette to rival all palettes, making her an, the youngest member of the Elite Ten at the school and one who absolutely hates Soma's cooking for being so... Well, for him being an ordinary in background. And, but, but you know, every hardworking evil genius needs an assistant. And in Erina's case, she has one. And that is Hisoka Arato, who is not just a wonderful assistant who will, you know, 
play cards with her in the middle of the night, but she also specializes in cooking medicinal food, stuff that will make everyone feel better, or, you know, help out with any of your bodily ails. So, you know, you can imagine, she's really popular in parties. These two characters, hold on to your voices, people. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about this. Oh, Aaron. Arina is voiced by relative regular at Sentai Filmworks, Stephanie Whittles, who has been cutting her teeth on a lot of different shows. Um, some of her most prominent ones, uh, she voiced Misaki in Welcome to the NHK. Uh, one we just talked about recently, she was Megume in School Live. She is Aiko in Demon King Daimao, and she is Maria in My Love Story. But uh, one that all of you, I'm sure, have heard before, especially if you followed the summer 2017 season, Brittany Karbowski voices Hisako, because Brittany has been all around the block. Like, just to name a couple of roles that she's done before, she is Ryo in Clanad, she is Ayu in Canon, she's Rose in Red Garden, she is the lead Yamada in Yamada's First Time, and most prominently, at least in the last season, she was Karen Tendo in Gamers. Now, yeah, um, okay, th this is tough for me, people, you gotta help me out here. Give me the confidence to pass this along, because Arina is one character that is very easy to hate, and kind of difficult to make that work in English without absolutely hating the actress, so, Lilac, I know you had, I know you were foaming at the mouth to talk about this, I will let you go first. Tell me what is wrong with Stephanie Whittles. Rich girl, rich valley girl. Rich valley girl. Here's here. That's basically my problem because. What, what do you have against rich valley girls? I mean, it's not their fault. Here's the thing: going between the Japanese and the English. In the Japanese, because Anna is a character herself. Yes, we know she's a spoiled rich girl. Yes, she has like basically everyone groveling at her feet because she has like this god tongue of hers. But. In the Japanese, it didn't sound like the stereotypical valley girl. Mm. It played it more, much more straight, and there was a bit of snob there, um, but it didn't go, I didn't want to say it was comical, because um, there are points where, unfortunately, the voice work is rather comical here, and it's not the point of the character. Going back a little bit here, honestly, with Edina as a character, I feel like, and this is just me in terms of voice, the voice in, that I'm hearing, I think Christina Kelly would be would have been a much better fit for Edina. Mm -hmm. Christina Kelly... She brings the snob, but she has the tone of voice that I would think that Edina has. So, she's, I love her as Alice. She's great there. But I feel like now that I'm listening to Alice, and then there were at least, there was at least one scene where the two of them are together. Mm -hmm. Comparing the two of them together side by side, I feel like Christina Kelly would have made a much better Edina as Stephanie Whittles. This isn't knocking Stephanie Whittles, it's just the voice itself wasn't what I was hoping for. Because um, I get it's supposed to be a spoiled rich girl. I totally get that. Oh, yeah. But she doesn't have... But spoiled rich girl does not have to equate valley girl. Does mm. not have to equate valley girl, and that's the problem I have with it. Um, so you, 
Do you think that Christina's acting, even if she like uh, acted as Arena exactly the way she acted as Alice, would have made Arena a more likable character? I think so. Yeah, I think it would have made the character a lot better. It's it's not the performance. Stephanie Whittles is fine, performance wise. It's mm. it's basically that situation that happened with the school live school live episode that Gigi had. Where it was the voice to itself. Switch. Yeah. The voice itself is the issue, not the performance. The performance, I think Stephanie Whittles is is really good as Edina. The voice is the problem to me. And I think that, and especially after seeing Alice and seeing what Christina Kelly can do with Alice's character, mm-hmm. it might not be good if they were swapped. Um, for Stephanie to be Alice, but I think Christina would have made a much better Eddie Knight, in my opinion. Okay, alright, arguments from Camp A. Jamal, do you have a counter-argument to that, or are you in the same camp that Stephanie would have, or that, um, Arano would have been voiced better by Christina? I'm in the same camp, because I hate it. Because here's the thing. Arena is a sharp-tongued bitch. Yep. The way Stephanie portrays her Kind of makes it sound like she's a snooty bitch. Yes. Well, that's put that's putting it lightly because I'm not gonna call her a slutty bitch because that's beneath me. Yeah, yeah, no, no, she, she, no, she's not slutty at all, but she's very snotty, absolutely. No, but it makes it, but it makes it sound so like something out of Mean Girls. Yeah, that's the problem right there. Thank you. Yeah. So honestly, I I could have seen a different actress. I mean, Christina could pull double duty. If you wanted to stick with the Fago theme, you could have gotten JB Monkey easily. I mean, hell, you could have gotten Sarah. We didn't have to do this character because. <laughs> no, here's, here's, here's a fun. Here's a funny story. So Sarah went on a slight twin event one day when uh, one of her roommates brought home a cake that was that looked like tiramisu, and she was not happy, so she took the Twitter to complain about it. At which point she posted the gif of Erin, and I thought to myself, is she breaking NDA? Always. Oh, is that the the gif where Erin uh, like slams down on the table repeatedly? Uh, something like that, yeah. Okay. And then, and then a thought occurred to me. I thought I thought to myself, that could actually work. I mean, cause nowadays we're starting to see some more Funimation actors come to Sentai. I mean, mm-hmm. we always see Tia. We've always seen Austin. There's someone else on this list we'll get to later, but yeah, I thought this, she would be a good say, fit. Jamie also wouldn't have been a stretch. She did bring Hilda in the darkness. So Yeah, but that but that would still be a possibility. Though. No, I'm saying Jamie wouldn't be as far of a stretch. Sarah, maybe um, it would be less likely. I just think she probably just posted and, that gift because she likes the show or something. But It, it would have been a possibility because I've learned 2017 is the year of the Holy Grail. <laughs> No, 2017 okay. is the year of the, like, Holy Grail well, dubs. <laughs> That's yeah, when it is. comes to anime, yes. Holy Grail so, dubs, and I mean, like, Hyoka, Gosek, that crowd. Yeah, yeah oh, seen. the licensing of unlicensable stuff, yeah. Yeah, okay, the mythical okay. dubs, that's what I call them, mythical Okay, yes. alright, now, um, so and So, anyway, and then I realized... Well, maybe if she just played it straight, it could have worked. And then I watched School Live, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure how to feel about that either. I mean, I mean she's a good... I know she can do good, but I don't think... 
It's like trying to fit a size 10 foot in a size 4 shoe. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like Stephanie Wills as an actress, and I think for me her best role was Welcome to the NHK. Or is Welcome to the NHK. Um, it's been a while since I've watched the show. I should probably watch I'm, the show. I'm, but, I mean, I'm not familiar with her, but, you know, even then, I've seen her at least kind in, of a stretch. I've seen her at least in a few things at this point to get at least a general grasp on her voice work. It, unfortunately, okay. Anina just doesn't work to me. All right, so I, I, I want it to be like the balancing act to say like, no, no, she's great, she's perfect at it. You're probably I'm not, gonna, not gonna get that. <laughs> I'm not gonna. Because I think, because I, I think all four of us have the same problem. Yeah. Uh-huh. But let me just say, I don't think that uh, swapping her out with Christina would have uh, been any better because I perfectly like Christina and Alice the way she is. And uh, something I forgot to mention, Alice is Erina's cousin, so the two of them yeah. having similar sounding valley girlish voices. Like kind of fits with their you know background. People tend to sound similar to people who they grow up with, but I my problem with Stephanie Whittles is not really the Valley Girl thing. It's more like she just sounds a little bit too old for the character. Like I always have this problem with her in that I can hear um, non high school voice coming out of someone trying to play a high school girl, okay. and that bugs me in this a little bit. The acting itself, I'm not going to say that she could have done any better with it because this character is very badly written. Uh, those of you who are watching Food Wars currently know that we do not actually get a reason for her snobbiness until just this week, actually, which was episode five of season three. And we start I need to, to get. I need to catch up on season three. <laughs> I won't tell you what happens, but Good. we start to finally get an explanation. As to why she is the way she is. Okay. It's a little, too, a little too late. It's not like it's going to make any of us like her. But she is, and this is something that JC staff has in all of her shows, the requisite tsundere. They have to have one in all of their shows. I, why am I not surprised? Allison Zoroku, Shakugan no Shana, a certain... No, actually, it was... um, Was it... Um, uh, who was no, it? Was like, you were right. Toradora, um, the Zero no Tsukaima series, the... Um, uh, what's that? Aro the Scarlet Weapon. Uh, Every, oh, Aria. Aria the Scarlet Aria, thank you. Every single goddamn one of those has yeah. to have the same Tsundere character right. in it. We gotta have another one. Even if it was already in the manga, I'm sure. Gotta have another one in a JC staff show. So, I'm gonna say, for what Stephanie had, it's a kind of a thankless role anyways, because it's not like any acting was gonna make you like the character without totally changing the character. But, yeah. I, Not... Not, not does not help like it's just as good as i thought it was going to be but. i think potentially what your comments say about maybe stephanie being too old for the role may have affected in the way that jamal and i have the problem with the valley girl situation yeah i think it's just like a chain of events in a sense and yeah it does and you're, you're right it doesn't help that Erina isn't exactly a well-written character to begin with um, well she's well written she's just not a likable character Debatable. Well, I say well written. Yeah. I mean, like she adds variety. Like there is no other character quite like her in the show. Which true, thank God. true character development wise, nah. Yeah. Not. But really I'm sorry. Well. well, we well, talked enough. I'm sorry. Um, uh, Zenith, what did you have to say about uh, about Stephanie's portrayal as Arena? All right, on to Arena. Okay. Uh, to, to answer to uh, a bunch of you guys saying that Arena is not a well-written character, oh boy. Um, here's the thing. I am in kind of a different boat because I've actually seen um, uh, all of Food Wars up until Season 3, and I've read the manga 
up until like chapter um, 150 or something like that. So I know what's going on and what's happening. There's a reason why Arena is like this, and I don't want to get into spoilers, but there is character development, and she grows and changes, but it's hard due to events that happened in her past. And it's hinted at through a lot of the interaction with, with Hisako, um, but the thing is, uh, they can't really delve into that because a lot of that um, is later on in the show. In season two, you'll see a lot more with Hisako and uh, with like Arena changing. And season three completely explains everything in one episode. And over the course of time, you'll figure that out. So I, I, I don't want you to say that she's a badly written character because she's not. And I thought that at first too, but that's the way she was designed to be. She was designed to be a character that you completely thought... Oh, this is this bitch. You know, it was designed that way to fool you into thinking it. And then when you rewatch the series, you see these little th these little things. And this is my main problem that I have with the dub portraying Arena this way. Segway. So in the Japanese, I think she's well voiced. I think incredibly well voiced in the Japanese, but the dub doesn't capture that because of the accent. Like, the voice actor does a good enough job, but it's the problem is the portrayal as this valley girl who's all snobby, and they play up the snootiness of it, and that's not who she is. She is not this haughty, above-all people. You know, she's not really the snooty, self-centered person in, in that sort of sense. Like, the main thing is... She does this because she was taught and brainwashed to be a certain way and to, to think that certain foods just not aren't edible. And so you see in the very uh, second episode when she's interacting with Soma, when she actually takes a bite of the food and has a very different reaction from anything else she's tasted before, but she still calls uh, she still calls it disgusting. That's not because she's uh, because she doesn't like Soma. It's due to a lot of things in her past, and I can't even get into that because they're doing that with season three. So, um, but yeah, like the portrayal of Arena in this is just not handled very well because they don't primarily seem to understand what her character is. I mean, granted, I know that they're producing this as the show progresses, and season three had not come out uh, when this was dubbed, when this was released, so they couldn't possibly have known unless they read the manga. I have read the manga, unfortunately, so I just, like, knowing what I know about this character, it just... the, the Arena's performance here does not work at all. Like... It gets better as time goes on, and she slowly starts to ditch that accent bit by bit. But even still, this is the worst performance in the show, not because of the actress, but because of the direction um, behind everything. And I just, I don't think it's any good. So yeah, um, guys, that's my insight about Arena. Uh, wait till season three. 
and um, just pay attention. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Okay. All right. So thank you. So to uh, to wrap this up, I'm sorry. We completely shut out discussions about Britney in this whole thing. About Britney. We didn't forget about yeah. her. We we, we just. We will th- no no I will give positive praises. We'll turn her out. No no okay. no I'm, I'm just saying like Brittany we didn't forget I promise. <laughs> I'm we sure love she you. Brittany. Like a, a bunch of I'm people in a, pod- in a corner now. podcast people I've never met before forgot about me. <laughs> no. I don't know. Have any of you met Brittany before? No. I wish I, I did. I, I almost did, and I almost cried when I couldn't. So. One day. Brittany. One day. Brittany, come to Anime Boston. Let's go. All right, Lila, like, it, you're keen on meeting her. What What did you think about uh, her portrayal as Hisa- Hisako? I really liked her as uh, as Hisako. Um, it slightly reminds me a little bit of Karen Tendo, a tiny bit, from Gamers, only because I recently finished Gamers. Uh, well, Gee, I probably than like a couple weeks ago, maybe. But um, her as Hisako, it's a different, it's a different kind of character, only because like if you're comparing her to Gamers. Karen Tendo is basically Edina, to a sense, but not as much of a snob. But we have Hisako, and she's just this, like, right-hand man, this lackey of sorts, who apparently has a big crush on Edina, by the way. <laughs> I ship it! I ship it! You and but, every, um, everyone else on DeviantArt. Probably. Um, and I think Brinny... I liked her as as Hisako. Um, She's not probably someone I would have expected to get this role to begin with, but I think it just I think it just turned out really fine. I liked it. Did you Did you either of you guys have a actually someone you predicted would be uh, Hisako instead? Oh shoot! Who did I predict? Because I do have my list of predictions. I got. I got. I'm giving you permission to pull out the predictions. I'm fond of my list. One of my lists. I should still have them. I think. I think this is the one who I thought was going to be voiced by Lucy Christian. Ooh, I do have Maybe. this. Maybe. Um, I had Christina Kelly and Molly Cersei, but... I had Emily Neves. Oh, oh okay. I'm kind of and, surprised we haven't seen and Emily here, in the show he, so far. Okay, and here's where I had Lucy. I had Lucy as Eddie now originally, actually. Oh, you know what? I did, too. Thank you for reminding me. I got... No, no, actually, no. No. I, 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 had, I had... I had her somewhere else. I had Britney as in the... Interesting. I had Britney elsewhere, actually. So, what, Jamal, what did you think about Britney's take on the character? Uh, you know, Britney's playing the character out of a typecast, and she did pretty good. I mean, it kind of took me a minute to get used to, because, you know, when you hear Britney in the show, you hear that little signature squealer first. You know the one. Absolutely. She had, yeah, it's her defining vocal trait. Yeah, somebody make that ringtone. But yeah, <laughs> I I thought she, I thought she nice. did pretty good. And the lesbian parts kind of caught me off guard a little bit the, the first time around. No, because I know she was her assistant. I just didn't know she was her assistant. Hey, you know. Mm, yes. Well, I, I'm not quite sure that Erina swings that way. Oh fuck! I no, forgot I had. No. I, oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking at my predictions again. I forgot I had Takumi right. <laughs> I had Bryson as Takumi. My bad. <laughs> I win! <laughs> sure, fine. Glyla gets the golden pancake for the night. Sorry. Sorry. I forgot. I had to jump okay. in. My bad. Right, Sorry. I'm glad that I'm glad we at least all agree that Britney is awesome in this and like I said in the Love Life episode, I think I've finally gotten over my years of anti Britney prejudice. I just had to I just had to watch the right shows. I just hadn't been watching the right shows before that. Excuse and, me, what were you in a Love Life episode? Yeah. School I did I say Love Life? I meant school. Yes, you did say Love Life. 
We haven't even done that <laughs> episode yet. We Just did that, Love Life Sunshine, but... Um, okay, okay, future about- Jamal, who's editing this, leave this part out. <laughs> no, leave this in, because it's funny. Anyway, Zenith. Anyway, Zenith. All right, so Hisako. Um, Hisako is one of the characters who um, was really kind of uh, safely voiced in the Japanese dub, and I, I think what they really did here is tried to make her stand out. Granted, a lot of this cast tended to be a reunion of certain different shows. Like, you see people here from Gamers, you see p- people here from Nozaki-kun. Um, later on, we're going to be seeing a lot of people from Angel Beats. Uh, it definitely does start to feel like they took a lot of these uh, people who are in the major roles there and put them in the major roles here. And I think um, Hisako's role in Gamers was fine. I think she did a great job for the for the most part, despite some problems. And I think her as Hisako is actually much better because we don't have to uh, worry about her like drooling and and all this other stuff that I didn't like about gamers. Here, it's it's well, technically you have the lesbian moments, but for the most part, Hisako is a serious character. And I think what they did with her in the dub was great. Um, I don't really have too, too much to say because Hisaku doesn't get fleshed out, um, until later arcs, like season two, um, has a lot of stuff with Hisako and season three, so we can't really get into that, but I think for what it is right now for, uh, Hisako's character here, I think that, uh, the voice actress did a great job. I, I don't have any complaints, so yeah, I want to move on because the next one I really want to talk about. I agree 100%. <laughs> moving on from that then. Again, again, Zenith, we love you. So, okay, we have gone through a wide cast of characters, all of them in varying degrees of likability, and all of them have their own unique cooking style, but we need to get to the top two, the creme de la creme, the pace de resistance. The cinnamon with- roll who could do no wrong. The best girl cinnamon roll in the show who may do no wrong. And this isn't even going to be a battle. No, no, you can't argue against this. Megumi Tadakoro is the best girl of the show. Yes. Yes. Voiced by Jade Saxton. She is. Yes. Woohoo for all of the Jades in the world. She is the blue haired, uh, pigtailed, adorable ball of sunshine who actually is on the verge of failing out of the school at the beginning of the series, but. Through the confidence she gains from her friends and especially from the help of Soma's influence, she gradually becomes more confident in her cooking and even holds her own weight against professionals, especially when making vegetables, which she seems to be the best at. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, she is either a vegetable gnome, a vegetable spirit, or a winter spirit, whichever one you collect first. Or it's like a snow spirit of fortune or something. No, no, it's the, no, it's the no, spirit it's a, of fortune. Spirit yeah. of fortune. That's the that's the woodland one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's, she's at, there's a point where all the the higher up chefs are so impressed by her her rainbow terrain that they're actually fighting over what title they would give her. Yeah. That's credibility right there. Yep, so, it's a great. All right, I'm gonna go first on this one because I keep letting you guys go first. And enough of that. Megumi is the is the reason that. I was convinced that this show is going to be really good because, like I said, the first two episodes had some directing problems with background characters and 
uh, lead characters that are like kind of eh, about likability. And then Megume showed up. And Jade gave us one of the most adorable, slightly klutzy, but very unlike anything I've heard out of her before voice. Like, to give context, she was Kana in Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. She doesn't quite sound like that. She was Eve Genoward in Bakano. She's Nona in Death Parade. She's Mira in Dimension W. She's Senna in Haganai. Just a wide range of characters of varying degrees of adorability. But this one is... Like, the kind that just lifts your spirit up and makes you grateful to see a character who keeps going on. She has great comedic timing in the parts where she has to be frightened, because there's quite a few of those. And when she finally toughens up, it just makes your soul melt. <coughs> None of you can disagree with me that. I'm assuming you both think the same thing. I think we all think the same thing. Yeah, so much so that uh, when we when we were doing predictions, I actually had her down on my list. I didn't actually have Jade anywhere on my list, and I feel ashamed. Cause yeah, because the thing about it is, I mean, Jade Saxton is anime. I mean, look at her. <laughs> she's she's good looking in person. Let me tell you, wow. Now to be but to she be is fair, also a sweetheart in person. Thank you. Yes, and the thing about it is. 2017 seems to be in a year because she's been in a lot of comedies recently and I, I really like her composure. So, so yeah, like, uh, where do I begin? You, you want to go ahead while I collect my thoughts? <laughs> I can try. Uh, okay. So, first of all, I'm dumb. Uh, this is where I actually predicted Brittany Karbowski to be. <laughs> um, which would have been fun, too. But going into it, I was a little bit hesitant because before... Um, before Food Wars cast was announced, uh, I had more. I'd seen Jade in more serious roles, uh, more dramatic roles. Nothing like this cute and adorable cinnamon roll. And um, then I go into it, I fall in love with it, and I think it's one of the best performances of the show, bar none. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, it was like. Uh, I I don't think anybody's gonna get this reference unless you've seen Criminal Minds, but uh, if you heard the actress Patrick Brewster, she plays a character named Emily on that show, and she is kind of serious and just keeps to herself every once in a while, kind of like Jade did the Sideri roles. But ever since she left that show, she's been doing a lot of comedy lately, and it's been kind of surprising. Just like Jade in this role, mm. it was very surprising too. Like. I really loving it a lot, especially with the flashback during the uh, the Shokugeki with with a uh, Chef Shinomiya. Oh yeah. Like you see, you hear her talking the flashback, and you here's the thing. I'm putting this down another black magic because you know it's her, but when you hear her talk as a little kid, that sounds nothing like her. Eh, I, think I mean, like her. to I think well, to me good. to me it doesn't. Like she's been able to change her voice so much that. Even when you do know it's her, it doesn't sound like her. Like, right. it really doesn't sound like her. I understand that. And Jade, when she portrayed this character, I think she must have regressed, like, back in her high school years or something like that. Because she made it very believable when she was so easily frightened mm. in competitions. Yeah. Like, it was very believable. Yeah. She, she definitely made it believable with all her stage fright moments. Yeah, she has a tendency to do that. I don't know how she did it, but she does it. Yeah. And it's amazing. Zenith, 
What you thinking, buddy? Okay, okay. Um, I am so excited to talk about this right now because, oh my god, Jade Saxton is simply perfect as Megumi. And here's the thing, um, like you said, I had uh, several of the problems uh, with the show, with the dub. Like, when during the first two episodes, I was kind of like, eh, about a few things because two of the characters... Um, were just okay, and they hadn't really come into their stride yet. I thought Soma and Joichiro got better after episode three, and Arena was really, like, taking me off, and I'm just like, uh, maybe, I'd, I'm not sure about the stub. But then Megumi walks in in episode three, and everything is just... From that point, I knew this dub was going to be good. I had my doubts the first two episodes, but that's true of the of the sub as well, and not not nothing to do with the voice acting. But when I first started watching the show myself, I was like, the first two episodes, kind of iffy. Like I liked it, but there are certain parts that really put people off, and that that can be said of the first two episodes of this dub. And then you get to Megumi, you know, Tadokoro is simply perfectly cast as Jade Saxton. It. It didn't even sound like voice acting. Like this doesn't sound like something someone is doing an impression and put. It, it, it sounds like someone is talking naturally. It sounds like she, she is Megumi in this, and like I just, it's so perfect that I just had to keep watching. She is the best, the best performance out of the dub bar none and she is best girl so yeah um jade fantastic job you win best in show the the zenith seal of approval like i i don't know if we ever do like visual stuff on the show but you know just jamal can you please just put a stamp in there like mm, definitely best in show good job Wonderful work, ladies and gentlemen. And by wonderful, I mean I would have been really surprised if any of us had diverted from a uniform opinion about Jade doing really well in this show. So if, you, if you're going to watch the show for any reason, watch it for Jade's portrayal. She makes this character. But she is she is the, like the second lead in the show, but she is not the namesake of the show. So <laughs> we have finally gotten to course 10,000 of this meal. One million yen. <laughs> One million dollars. <laughs> Sorry, I had an Austin Powers moment. I don't know what that has to do with this show, but okay. I don't either. I just had a moment. I'm sorry. There was a se there was a clip where just a whole bunch of flying guys come out. It was one million yen. <laughs> I haven't seen. I forget it. the episode, but I'll put a picture up on screen. Nice. Okay, thank. Okay, thank you, editor Jamal. So this final character that we've gotten to in dish number ten thousand is the namesake of the series, Yuki Hirasoma! Not Soma Shokugeki like I made the mistake once. Oh, good job. <laughs> Way to go. So the lead character who is in all of the promotional art, he is the spiky-haired, red-haired, uh, cooking mastermind who for some reason is just so amazing at cooking. Crazy that not bastard. Only can he not only can he like get past any challenge just by making a good meal out of it, but he can also 
woo the pants off of anyone with an explosion of deliciosity. Just to list some of the dishes he made. He made right. bacon-wrapped uh, bacon potato dish and called it a pork roast, which was really good. He made... A, okay, he made a, um, a ch uh, it's like a chicken brew cut into cubes that like melted over the rice and like made this really delicious dish. He made it was um it was like futake rice or something. Uh, yeah, yeah, thank you, thank like you. That. It was supposed to be an, an egg <gasps> chicken dish. Wait, correction, transforming futake rice. It, it, yes, it was. It didn't look like anything until the transforming yes. transformer of the chicken. He made. Uh, I think it was uh, onigiri rice balls in green tea with fish. Yeah. That using a French method he'd never even heard of before. This guy is so good he can cook things he didn't even know even existed. You forgot the mackerel burger too, but yeah. Oh, there don't. There's a new dish in every episode. If I yeah. listed all of them, we you may as well just go watch the show itself, which you totally should do. You for should anyway. Yes. Dishes. Yes, please. So who voices Soma? Why? Jumbo. It's. Blake Shepard, the golden boy of Sentai's um, nice lead character voices for... I don't know about that statement. Okay, I, I don't mean nice as in, like, the characters themselves are nice, but, like, nice sounding. Like I don't know about that but... statement. Okay, let's just list There's this the man show. named Adam Gibbs, I will fight you. <laughs> the roles that Blake has been in has been, um, he's been lead Yuzuro Otanashi in Angel Beats. He was the lead okay. Kazuhito in Dog and Scissors. He's Iki in Amnesia. No. He is Lito in Diabolic Lovers. And, and then Gigi splooshes everywhere. <laughs> uh, she send... loves Lito. You know that. I know. Okay, well, here's... And I'm going to finish it off with one role from a show that I know both of you love. Okay. He is Liang in Nanbaka. <laughs> yeah. Which, which, if you haven't watched that yet, do what it. The fuck is wrong with do you? Do it. I, I'm, I'm just like, when's the home video release? Animation, let's go. Yes. Let's go. Well, I, I, I want I think, it. Uh, wait, wait, is is Nambaka the one with Happy Fucking New Year? Yes. Yes. Okay, they're gonna release the home video on Happy Fucking New Year. No, they're not. Sadly, which is depressing. Uh oh. No, it's gonna be in the Happy Fucking New Year. <laughs> Bring around to this show. So, um, Jamal, uh, do you have any qualms with Blake Shepard bringing the lead shonen character of this manga anime to life? Zero. I mean, Blake Shepard, he makes Soma sound like a cross between, well, he's a cross between Karma and Johnny Young Bosch. And I thought it was a match made in heaven. Like, no, okay. there is a love child I'd like to see. Ooh. No, 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 no. <laughs> Donnie's too old for that. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, God no. It. It's like, he's, he's, it sounds like he's literally Sentai's answer to Johnny Young Bosch. I mean, you can't tell me that's not true. You're not no, wrong. You're not you're, wrong. It's interesting you say that because... I never noticed it until watching the show today. And then there were twinges. I'm like... That's that tone of voice. That's similar to Johnny and Bosch. Holy shit! <laughs> that's uh, exactly what we needed for this character. Now you have a Johnny Young Bosch in every major dubbing city now, <laughs> except New York. And I'm not counting Canada. Which ranger was Blake? Was he the Green Ranger? 
was off topic. Yeah, so, we could well, put it that You way. said that, uh, well, I assume that now every dubbing studio has a Power Ranger, right? Oh, I, I get the joke. Because Johnny Gun Bosch was a Power Ranger. Yes, yes, yes. Alright, so you have no qualms with Blake Shepard. Lilac, do you have a problem with Blake Shepard? Absolutely not. Um, if we were talking about predictions, he was actually one of my predictions for Soma. Soma was actually very difficult when I was thinking of predictions. I'm like, who could fit this? And Blake was one of the first people to come to mind. And the second I started the show, it was exactly what I pictured, exactly what I was hoping and expect uh, hoping for, exactly what I expected. I love it. Nice. <laughs> I'm just like, yes! Like, admittedly, it was a little rough to start with because, of course, you're starting a new show and going into this character. It's not going to be perfect right off the bat. But, god damn it, sorry. I'm going. But, as soon, as soon as, like, it was the first episode. <laughs> as soon as we get to the part where he makes that meat dish, the quote-unquote meat dish for this mm. bitch of a woman who's trying to take their store and tear it down just for luxury mm -hmm. apartments. As you and do the, in, and as the, a greedy businesswoman. And the second he becomes intimidating towards her, I was sold. I'm like, this is exactly what I had hoped for. This is exactly what I wanted with Soma's character. And Blake is just phenomenal. This is... I'd say this... Megumi, uh, so Blake, Jade, probably Bryson, and Scott Gibbs, those four are probably my favorite performances, and Blake is, like, up there, basically, as one of my favorites from the show. I'm like, yes! It, every part of it was just perfect. I love every second of it. Great. Alright, so I guess I get to be the one to, like, bash Blake and, uh, bring this, uh, fun train to a complete halt, right? You better not. Uh, I, I can't. <laughs> Good! <laughs> I'd be mad. Well, there was a, a... I thought I might be able to in the first two episodes, because like you said, they were a bit rough going, but right. it may have been more with just the cast getting used to the, the premise of the series, because exactly. it's a bit of a tough line to walk. It's a... It's mostly a comedy, but it has to be dramatic. Like, th that first episode, it's lighthearted and fluffy, and then sabotage to the restaurant happens, and it potentially is going to get closed down. That's dramatic. That has to be yeah. taken very seriously. Blake managed, after just a couple episodes, gets more into the balance of it, too. Like, he takes things seriously when they're actually legitimately things are at stake. And when they're more lighthearted, it, that's obviously where he's more in his element. It, he's much more in his element being goofy or uh, just, yeah. like, enthralled by the cooking world around him. Dude, How tormenting I people with his nasty-ass tentacles dipped in whatever the fuck he's using. That's the funniest thing ever. Oh, oh you want... Now we're talking about so many strange stuff. You want to hear a funny story? Okay. I suppose. So there was an 18 and up panel I went to at an Animate Miami last year. Oh, boy. <laughs> we're off to a good start, folks. I can already tell this is going to be a good start. So, story. they... Here's the thing. They had a twerking contest. Jesus Christ. What? <laughs> it just keeps getting better and better. <laughs> with this girl and her booty and a, co a Soma cosplayer. Guess who won? The Soma, the Soma cosplayer. cosplayer. 
Yes. Nice. And ever since then, I've been weirded out by Soma a little bit, but I thought I thought that kind of fit his personality real well. Because Soma is a goofy character, but man, he could get the job done. He, he oh my god. So, as a character, he strikes me as one who hasn't endured hardships. Because everyone else in the school has like been like... A, had the the fun driven out of them because they were in the lower schools of Toski Academy, mm. like their middle school division. Yeah. So having someone like this who's like refreshingly uh, uh, naive about the world, it's like that. That's what gives the show it it's spice. Watching him go through these hardships, using that optimism to get through the hardships, and also when he can't get over it because like something's just too difficult for him, that's when we're like that, that's really satisfying to watch. Yeah, like that. Um that um secret food war that they had during the training camp mm -hmm. and the result of that i thought that was well played on um, blake's part that was the part where i realized he, he has gotten yeah. the balance out fine he didn't play it for laughs he had legitimate frustration in his voice and yeah i like it i like it a lot zenith please tell yeah. me we can go four for four all right um okay blake Yes, yes, we're going four for four because I love Blake. Now, first of all, it's Otonashi. It is motherfucking Otonashi from Angel Beats. Remember, back to that whole Angel Beats cast reunion thing. We have a couple other members from Angel Beats, but Otonashi, main character, voiced by him. And from the moment I started up, I'm like, wait a second, I need to look up this voice actor. And I'm just like, oh my god, it's Otonashi. Um... From the uh, the one part that I was kind of iffy, but I also had the same way when I first uh, saw the Japanese sub, was like the first three lines of the dub, but that's just because of the way the show starts up. Like, honestly, when I first started watching the show anyway, I'm like, I'm not entirely sure um, how to feel about the voice, but then from the moment... Uh, I'm sorry, my cat is screaming in the other room. Please, uh, please ignore but um, from the moment he actually stepped into the restaurant, I'm like, oh my god, this is perfect. Blake does a fantastic job of bringing in every side to Soma. Does a great job with the goofy side. He does he does a great job with the serious side, like you mentioned with that secret Chokugeki. And I'm kind of wondering how he's going to do with later seasons. Because here's the thing. Soma is okay with losing because he's lost to his father like 498 times or something like that like almost 500 times he's lost shokugeki so he's he doesn't really have too much a problem with losing because he learns from his losses but he hates it he hates losing really intensely and so that's why like that challenge the secret food war really got to him it's one of the better parts of the show but that's not the only time in the series that he loses and during season two and season three, um, he has some great victories, but he also has a couple really memorable losses. And I'm really wondering how he's going to bring things across in season two and season three. Um, but for season one, I think this is perfect. Otunashi, you did a fantastic job. All right, drinks on I'm us. Woo! Let's you have that rice juice, guys! You get a drink, and you get a drink! You get rice juice, and you get rice get juice! Drink. You get this juice that is... That is Just juice. That is for sure juice. Yes. 
Wait, is I forget. Andrew is 21 now, right? He can have alcohol. Yes. Okay, so everyone yes. in the Dub Talk podcast is old enough to drink now. <laughs> yes, because Andrew turned 21 this year. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You get some rice juice, quote unquote. Woohoo! It's actual juice. No, legit. This is juice, as those subtitles kept telling rice you. Rice juice. All right. So we wow. Uh, that only took us. Uh, how long have you been recording? That that only took us two and a half hours. Good job, guys. <laughs> it's not two and a half hours. What are we talking about? Well, okay. So um, anyway. I guess I, now that we've reached the end course, time for a breathment for everyone and to finish off with our final thought. Um, Can we have li- desserts? Desserts. Li- you know what? Let's do that first. Lilac. Here is um, desserts. A- Here's a dish of, um, what, uh, what should I call it? Here is a lemon tort for your dessert. Ooh. Tell us what you think about the final thoughts on the dub. This lemon tort is delicious. Mm. Ooh, grazie. Um, so, kind of like what I was saying in the beginning, the, sh- the, the show itself is a lot of fun. Um, honestly, I wouldn't have given this show even a, a glance um, if I hadn't made that that, with, that deal with Zenith, where she watched Arslan and I watched Food Wars after she bashed Food Wars for the first episode. I'm sorry, Zenith. I told you this Arslan was much better after the first episode. I fucking told you. Um, <laughs> but the show itself is a lot of fun. It's Especially once you get past the first couple of episodes. It really kicks it in, and you really get to know what the show is about. But going into the dub itself... It's it's a bit of a mixed bag. Leaning on it being a very solid dub, though. Um, mixed bag as in there really was just some casting choices, again, that I had a few issues with. And obviously, there was one universal one that we weren't f- fond of that much. And again, not saying... Interestingly actor- enough, for, for different reasons, I was kind of surprised to hear. Yeah, it's really interesting. But, um... Not, not again. Not knocking the voice actress as a person or a human being. Yeah. Obviously, they're probably. <laughs> of course. The, obviously, they're probably a very sweet person. It's just we're here to be critical of things because we're nerds on the internet. We're, or as Roots likes to say, professional morons. We are sponsored by our oh, own absolutely. idiocy. Um, the big question, though, Lila, like to uh, to what we like to end off on is: yes. Would you watch? Would you recommend to people to watch this in the dub or in the Japanese? Hmm. That's a tough. Or, to- that's a. T- that's a. That's a little bit of a tough choice, but only because of the Edna performance and how that worked out. But I, I would say the dub. The dub is great. It has plenty of fun and memorable performances in the English dub. Mm-hmm. That, while the while the one that I'm not fond of it can be distracting kind of take me out of it a bit the rest of the performances that i thought were amazing they kind of they they make up for it um so i would definitely say the dub very good that's what it all comes down to people like nice bite-sized conclusions yep because i mean no we don't judge people who prefer dub or japanese or for the other we don't judge um it's no. all it's all about preference and personally i prefer i think i prefer the dub over the japanese all right, uh, Jamal, I have here with me a triple stack cheesecake with vanilla bean uh, vanilla bean ice cream sprinkled on top. 
What do you think of the dub performances in this show as you finish off your cheesecake? Well, as I finish off this cheesecake, I this this dub these dub performances to me are like a savory beats too. I mean, it's a it's a wide complex array of flavors. I mean, there there was oh, hold on, let me collect my thoughts. Let me collect my thoughts. I get get that dish. I had that worded better in my head. There are some uh, you, there are some staples in here that have been used in various ways. Uh, there are some sweet notes in here that be megumi. There are there are some there are some oh, a couple of sour notes in some unusual performances and maybe a bit of salt in in one taste, but that's but it's kind of mostly in the background behind the scenes, if you will. Yeah, okay. so other than that, I do think and all came together nicely on the okay. uh it was all well balanced, slightly off balance, but it was a well balanced presentation nonetheless. Very nice. Excellent. So we have two wonderful desserts. Thank you both. Um oh uh, Jamal, just to finish off, um did you uh would you recommend this in Japanese or English for new Uh people? that's personally a taste preference. If you want something that you're familiar if you want something that tastes familiar to you, you go with the dub. If you want to taste the uh Japanese cuisine, if you will, you go sub. Okay. And that that's a fair assessment. There are a lot of dubs that are either or, so um I guess we can chuck sub as um it, it depends, it depends on, on how your taste buds react. As well yeah. as your earbuds. Yeah. All right. <laughs> your earbuds are going to say. Mm, you know where I was going with that. <clears throat> Get, Give me some more of that time. I'm a hammy. God damn it. <laughs> Jesus Give me Christ. Tie my hammy on. Oh, you anyway. Can you can tie my hammy. Okay, anytime. that's your God damn it. Now. Stop. We're going to get Stop kicked it. out of Texas, I'm sure. <laughs> no, no, game. no. You're not going to be allowed to go back to Texas. I ain't playing oh. a part of this. No, I got nothing a... to do with this. You I can we stay out anyway, of Texas. You can be banned. Should we kick over to Zenith now? Alright, Zenith is my friend. Zenith, uh, can Zenith you Zenith is my friend. I have, for my friend Zenith, I have prepared her uh, what's called Death by Chocolate. It is, Ooh. Uh, it's a chocolate oh. pie, basically. With a chocolate graham cracker crust, it's got Kahlua in it, and some dark molasses for extra flavor. You know, for a pastry chef, I'm surprised I'm not the one serving these dishes, uh, and you apparently are. Hey, I, I, I tell you what, if I get any of you at my, you know, residence anytime, I will cook you all of the courses. But yeah. I'm sorry, Zaya. Go ahead, uh, what, what did you uh, think of the tub? Okay, so final thoughts. Overall, I think Food Wars is a pretty good dub. Um, like I say in my review, and I'm going to get to that uh, sometime next year, so we have a little bit of time for you to uh, let some of what I'm saying here sink in, and uh, I will embellish upon that in my uh, full-on review. But for the dub, I think it is mostly very good. There are some really great standouts um, I really love that there's a lot of returning cast members that I recognize this time. This is like one of the first shows where I'm like, oh my god, that's Honey Senpai. Oh my god, that's Otonashi. Oh my god, that's Greg Ayers. Like, 
These are people I actually recognize for once, and you don't see that from me um, in any of the other dub talks. So this is like the, f the first time I'm like, I know these people. And it's, it's wonderful because I get to talk about people that I really, really enjoy. And I think for the most part, 95% of this is really well acted. And there are three things that I don't like. Um, well, four, if I, I don't like some of the bit parts, but then again, they're only in for like a few seconds. Um, I did not like, uh, the Don of the Research, uh, Society, the guy who, you know, the, the Don Research Society head, I thought the voice was just not a good fit, in my opinion. I didn't like June's voice, in my opinion. We're not talking about them, but then again, they haven't showed up till this point. But the ones that we're really talking about here, um, the big problems that I have were Isami, um, not acting wise but because they didn't really switch it up um when he lost the weight and arena and arena is the only major problem of the show and so uh she gets better over time uh and she doesn't really have as big a presence in season one as later seasons but sentai i really hope you take note of this for future seasons and really focus on what her character is, because that's the major detriment to this series. I think overall, great job. I was engaged from episode three forward, much the same way as with the Japanese. So you did your job. Bravo, bravo. But going forward, I think you really need to take a look at Arena's voice and how to make it a lot more natural sounding because... Um, while it got better over time, it is kind of, eh, I, I don't like it. Wonderful work. And by which I mean, thank you for finishing up that chocolate, death by chocolate. Um, here's a gallon of milk to wash it down. That's some <laughs> really rich stuff. No, don't try. I've made death by chocolate before. It came out so rich and liquidy that, yeah, we needed like a gallon of milk per slice to wash it down. It was that good. So I guess I'll finish off then. And for myself, I am going to give myself the finest dessert possible. I get a bowl of vanilla ice cream. I'm about to yeah. say, I'm like, what? What the frig you get, you I get, cheapskate? There's nothing left. I gave you guys all the good stuff. I'm just going to get a, one of those big economy tubs of ice cream out of the freezer. I mean, to be fair, vanilla ice cream does something in there right now. Can, you, can, can I have some? Are you willing to share? No, you, you had your lemon tort, and you didn't even share a bite with me, so frick you. I would have if you asked me to, damn it! Yeah, well, you're not supposed so to have mean. to ask. A friend just gives it to someone without, you know, having asked. You can ask, damn it! Well, next time... It's not time, a crime against better. it! I guess I should talk about this dub, because... Uh, to answer the question, should you watch this in English or Japanese, this is indeed a show that uh, the dub is perfectly... Uh, reasonable for whichever side you're more comfortable with, Japanese or English. I may actually uh, recommend the English for two main reasons. One, Jade Saxon's Mega May is is the great is like the best performance in all of this. It is a take on it is a voice out of Jade that I haven't quite heard before, and every line is like I could not imagine listening to it in the Japanese anymore. <clears throat> and the second reason is all of the foods that are being described are. Um, like are described in extent intense detail so that you see a lot of subtitles that have to be read if you're reading if you're watching in Japanese 
So if you're more of a person who wants to uh, listen to the recipes described without the intense reading because uh, it goes too fast or it just doesn't soak in for you, I definitely say go with the English. And I, I will give props also, one thing I didn't mention, to the uh, English voice actors for, I'm assuming not all of them are chefs, but for the most part, most of them read the heavy dialogue describing their cooking techniques believably enough. Like, I kind of got the feeling that some of them actually believed what they are saying about French-style cooking, where you use oil to mildly sear the fish before you uh, boil it finally, or you cook pork belly stock and then soak it in ginger and honey and, like, my God, I love this show so much with all the stuff that there is to cook in it. Like, this show gave me the recipe for kagare, karage, I'm sorry, that now is a staple of stuff that I cook at least, like, once every two weeks. So, excellent job on all the acting performances. Good job, Kyle Colby Jones, for balancing both dramatic and comedic moments. It's a hard thing to pull off on this, and especially props to getting a wide variety of voice actors to cover the wide range of characters we have in this show. So glad I watched it. Even more glad I get to watch it a second time for this dub rewatch. Mwah! Huzzah! Viva, Viva la France! And with that, I think we have finished off our 10,000 course meal. Has everyone had their fill? Mm-hmm. Oh boy. I, I, think, I think I need to go lay down. I'm gonna go into a, <laughs> a food coma right now. Nice. Which uh, ho hopefully will be relevant because by the time this, this episode should be going up the week of Thanksgiving. Happy, Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody! Uh, unless you're Canadian, in which case, happy uh, Black Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, we have some Canadian viewers. We have some Canadian members of the Dub Talk. We have some worldwide yeah. viewers, actually. That's, all do? over the place. Yeah. I didn't check the schematics. I didn't know like where our viewers all come from. Surprise! Like I said, viva la France. We miss you. Yeah. All right, I'm going to stop embarrassing myself. I finish off by saying that um, if you're interested in watching this show, this uh, Food War show that we talked about, you can do so in a couple of different places. Um, all seasons up to the most recent episode are available in sub over on Crunchyroll. Um, you need, uh, you don't need a trial to watch it, um, because all the sh episodes are up, except for the ones in season three that are simulcast right now, which, if you want to watch the most recent episodes, one hour after they come out in Japan, they do have a subscription for seven, for $6.99 a month. Or you can watch it with ads and just wait a week for that episode to come out. However, if you really want to watch this in dub, which you really want to do, you can watch it over on High Dive, which is Sentai Filmworks' premier streaming service. where It's, you their, can watch... re it's their revamped anime network, basically. Thank you. And you can have all of their shows that they have in dub for only $3.99 a month. Or, if you're awesome like Zenith, you can actually buy a physical copy of this, because this is available on DVD and Blu-ray um, for standard releases. And there's also a really nice, like, really nice limited edition box set available that has a lot of extra goodies to go with the show. Look into that if you want to add something to your home library, or like me and Lilac, where it's something that you buy, but will not ever watch because you buy more than you actually watch. Yeah, well... I mean, I'm already watching Food Wars right now, so... <laughs> this one you watch, but I'm, I'm sure you've got stuff you bought back in, like, 2012 that you still haven't taken out of the shrink wrap. 
No, I I take everything out of the string grab. Okay. Fine. So uh so yeah, that is where Food Wars is available. Now what about us? Uh if you watched all the way to the end of this episode, you clearly want to know more about dub talk. Um I hope by so. the way, if, if you did get to the end of the episode, you get the secret secret password. And the secret password is shiitake. So why we got is, this far. Why, why do we have this secret password? Because if they put it in the comments, we know oh, they got this far. Oh, nice. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We need, like, an give everyone incentive to get this far Ooh, in the episode. Let's do it. Or, or they could, like, you know, just fast forward to near the end, I guess, and cheat, too. I mean, but, but why would you do that? That's true. Why, I, no one should. No we one will do that. <laughs> Anyways, so you got this far. You want to know about Dub Talk? Well, you can subscribe to this channel, uh, youtube.com slash Dub Talk Podcast, where all of our episodes are archived and kept up for your viewing pleasure. We also have a Twitter feed, which is at Dub Talk Podcast. Um, Lilac, I think we also have like an, an Instagram as well, I think. We have an Instagram as well as a Tumblr, and Dub Talk Podcast is the handle for both. Thank you. So, um, but uh, enough about the tub, the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. Um, let's plug the fine chefs who helped out in this night. Uh, Zenith. Zenith, I think uh, you should go first. I am Zenith Rule. You can find all of my stuff on youtube.com slash Zenith Will Review. You can find all of my different reviews there. Or you can go to my Zen Plays channel. Just Google Zen Plays Danganronpa. Uh, we took a little bit of a break for a while, but uh, we're going to be coming back sometime in December. And as always, my Twitter is at Zenith Rule. I have a bunch of other stuff that I do. I don't want to take up a lot of your time. Uh, um, just, you know, check out all the stuff that I do. I do a lot, and I'm doing more because I actually um, have started doing Yelp and Google uh, food reviews. That's right. I actually review food as well. I do everything. I am Zenith. I I do I I review everything, and that is my new that is my new catchphrase. I only review everything. So there you go. Anyway, guys, uh, I'm Zenith. Have a good one. Fantastic. And here is your bill, uh, Jamal. Why don't you tell everyone uh, wh where you can be found around the world wide webs? I'm pretty much on Jamstar529 on Twitter, Jamstar1 on YouTube, or I'm just somewhere on the internet. You never know where, so. You you, you roam the internets. You're a wandering, a wandering soul. Follow, follow the bouncing mm. uh, sailor scout. Oh my god. Jesus, Noah. Noah. She's 14, man. What's wrong with you? <laughs> no, no, no. It's a, no, no. It, like, you remember those old sing-along videos where it's like, follow the bouncing ball? Oh, like, to, yes. Like, follow the yes. On screen, but it said, you know, follow the... That's what I meant. I wasn't trying to be pervy about... I'm sorry. Well, if, sure well unfortunately, weren't. it went the wrong way of, you, of what you intended. <laughs> Fine. I'll send it the right way and give it to Lilac. Plug away. That's one way to follow it up. Uh, yeah, my name is Stephanie, or I'm also known as Lilac. You can follow me on Twitter at Lilac Anime Review. Uh, review being spelled R-E-V-U-E. Basically, I just post about my daily life and my struggles, because working full time, work working full time as an adult, but also, I guess you could say, also working full time with this podcast is basically my life in a nutshell. It's great. <laughs> Working nine to five. I'm jealous of you right now. 
I don't know if you should be jealous of me. I'm tired. I'm so tired, guys. It's nuts. I have to record another episode tomorrow. I'm recording an episode on my birthday. I'm recording oh, something God. on Sunday. You need, like, anime rehab after a while. We all need anime rehab. We're all nuts for doing this podcast, but okay. That's gonna be, like, a new, it's gonna be like new episode. It's gonna be, like, you know, anime detox, almost. <laughs> That'd be a funny April Fool- Fool's episode, actually. Yeah, it's like yeah. where we uh, we stop watching cartoons and actually force ourselves to watch live action for a change. That would... I already I already got anime detox. It's called being broke. Oh. <laughs> but that's what stre- free streaming is for. No, I'm still broke after that. No, no, I mean like you know like Crunchyroll and places that are legitimate. I'm I'm still broke <laughs> after that. That's what even I even mean. with free Crunchyroll. I mean, you're right. I'm not. I'm. I'd rather pay to watch this anime than to sit through ads. I don't blame True. you. I would also prefer to pay. True. That's why I do. That's why I do too. Except for Hulu, I'm, I'm totally fine paying for the I, 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 I paid for Hulu. I did. Uh, so Mostly because I. I don't. Anyway. I don't have cable. That's why. No, no one has cable. Cable does. That's not. That doesn't even exist. Anyway. I have cable, you moron. <laughs> anyway. Mr. 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 Head Chef, who are you, sir? And I, as I uh, pass out bills to everyone, even though they're broke, <laughs> am Noah Clue. And you can find me also on Twitter, at Noah Clue, uh, where I am taking a bit of a break right now, but probably by the time that this episode goes up, I'll be back to posting stuff again. Predominantly, uh, opinions about the animation industry, both in the West and in the Japanosphere, and also to brighten your day, Pictures of my adorable daughter, Ruby, and handsome son, Oliver, because I have procreated and need to show it off to the whole world. His kids are adorable, folks. Thank you. Yeah, I crashed our Skype meeting the other day with Ruby. Just just stopped the whole meeting for like 10 minutes. She's so precious. (laughs) She is. She's so precious. I do want to bring her up to Boston sometime. Bring the entire family to Boston. Let's go. (laughs) Do it. Working on it. Do it, damn it. I bet like, Jenny would let like you it. too if you brought everyone. Well, she'd have to. I don't I do not think that my wife would legitimately let me just take two children, one of them who's not even a year old, across the country without her. No. That's why yeah, family no. family vacation. Let's go. Come to Boston. Right, I will show you around. Jenny, we're going to Boston next fall or no, next spring, sorry. <laughs> We're walking. We're walking. <laughs> We're gonna get started tomorrow morning. See you in a few months, I like. Okay, cool. I'll 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 get everything ready for you. Alright, when when our episodes have devolved into not talking about the show itself, that's when that's it's time when, to start wrapping that's it up. That's when we know it's time to stop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, if you've gotten this far, shiitake mushroom. Shiitake mushroom. So, that's the code word right. today. Alright, everyone pay your bills on the way out and we hope you enjoyed your service. Wait, hold on. Why the hell am I being charged 150 bucks here? Well, what the hell did I have, Noah? What did you do? I get, Hey, I gave you the best, okay? I, I gave you beef tips and garlic mashed potatoes. No, you didn't. And... You gave the other guy in the back those. Wait, I did? Yes. Damn it. I, I need to stop getting these bills mixed around. Jesus, you're okay, a terrible um... head chef. No, no. Actually, you're a terrible waitstaff. Don't do it. <laughs> fine, fine. You had... Squid. You had squid covered in peanut butter and chocolate. God, no, I didn't have that shit. That thing sounds terrible. I mean, you've had squid before. I know you but have. But not covered in peanut butter. 
Well, I, I can't really imagine peanut butter, like, ruining anything. Like, I've had a peanut butter cheeseburger before. Not a cheeseburger, just a hamburger before. What the fuck is like, that? Yeah, yeah, you, you take a regular burger and you top it, not with cheese, but you spread peanut butter you, on you it. You know what? I'm not going to ask. Butter. You can explain it to me later. We, I, we need to call it a day. I, I, I just figure we're just going to, like keep this going until they press the stop button. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Good night, everyone. We're going to sleep now. Everyone say good night. We're going to go into a food coma. Good night. Food coma rules, man. O Otaku That's on. Hello. That's Otaku on, my friends. And again, happy Thanksgiving to y'all. Happy Thanksgiving. Keep it food. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Be sure to wash the dishes. No. I can't